Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank uh, Jamie, I have two things to start off this week. Do you want uh, thing one first or thing two first? Um, do you actually have in your mind which one is thing one and thing two, or am I just going to say a number and then you're going to start no, with no, whichever I, one I, you want I, to start with? I, anyway? I, I, I have a thing in my mind for number one. I have a thing in my mind for number two. Okay. Uh, so you can start uh, with whichever one you want. Let's go with thing number two, because I think inherently you probably wanted to start with thing number one. Okay. Uh, so my thing number two is a feud. Okay, uh, and this is very important. Uh, and look, I, I I understand that feuds are complex, that feuds are uh, big and scary, and you know, but also powerful and you know, enraging and the, the fulfilling. Um, and I, I'm I'm declaring a, a Hanks Bank uh, fatwa, if you will, uh, oh, against Jesus uh, Rolling Stone. Rolling Rolling Stone, the the magazine. Yeah, it's not the band. Uh, okay, they're the Rolling yep. Stones. Yeah, uh, so it Rolling could have Stones, just been a Rolling Stone. That is true, that is true. Uh, ye, uh, on May 8th, so only a couple days ago from uh, time of recording, uh, the Rolling Stone magazine published a listicle. You know what a listicle is, Jamie? Uh, I believe it, it is an article that mostly forms uh, a list. So most of the article is just a list of, you know, the best things or the worst things or the most mediocre things. I think those are most of the lists. Yes, quite. And uh, Rolling Stone posted a listicle that is very uh, near and dear to both our hearts, of course, ranking every Tom Hanks movie from worst to best. Now, Wait, they Jamie, did this. Th- I feel like I've seen many of these articles before. They did this like four days ago. Yes. That's so ridiculous. we, I, I have previously talked about a. Uh, I think the Guardian published a Tom Hanks best movies, and they started at number thirteen with a movie they said was trash, as though Tom Hanks, the majority of the films he's done are trash, and then he's only done like eight good ones. Um, which I think is a bad way to do a listicle, and seemingly this guy had seen maybe 13 Tom Hanks films and wanted to rank the 13 Tom Hanks films he's seen rather than watch all them. This person actually, to their credit, has watched every Tom Hanks film, uh, give or take, 53 films so far. Okay. Um, did now, they do a podcast about it, or did they? I mean, no, this is no, just, I mean, to, to be honest, I think watching every single Tom Hanks film just to put out one article is mm. is a poor division of labor. You should watch every Tom Hanks film and put out an hour and a half's worth of content for every single one of them. I maintain that by the end of this, Jamie, uh, you and I will be the foremost Hanks scholars. Uh, of course. And if we aren't recognized as such, I mean, again, I understand that there may be other Tom Hanks podcasts out there. Uh, but again, we have declared a fat war against you too. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it just means holy war, doesn't it? I, I mean, it does. But I also don't want to get in any holy wars. Oh, no, I definitely want to start some holy wars. Jamie, we worship at the altar of Hanks, okay? There is one correct way to pursue Hanks, and that is, of course, Hanks Bank. So to all our dear listeners who are uh, listening and observing uh, at our weekly mass here, uh, well, I, I'm going to tell you why we hate Rolling Stone. Now, Jamie, obviously, they're, they're kind of 53-ish films. Cool. Which do you yeah. think is probably the worst? The, uh, the worst so far. of the, so far, the, worst the, one the ones we've seen. Um, oh, ah. I really, I didn't like Radio Flyer. I really didn't like Bonfire of the Vanities, but I 
think it's got to be every time we say goodbye. I fucking hated that film. Okay, you're gonna love this list then. Uh, so instead, and look, you know, as always, you know, I think the guy who wrote it is called Mark. Mark, you did your job. You're fine. You got my click. No problem. I'm I'm engaging with you uh, on both a religious and an intellectual uh, capacity. Uh, now, Jamie, if you were edgy, what would you say is Tom Hanks' worst film? If I was if I was trying to be if I was trying to be edgy, what I'd I'd go like fucking Forrest Gump or some shit like that. I if like if I was actively trying to be edgy, I'd say oh it, it you know it's, as we discussed in the in the Forrest Gump episode, I'd be like oh it's it's horribly offensive, you know it's ableist and and it's aged poorly and actually that is obviously the worst Tom Hanks film. Interesting, interesting. Uh, no, instead Mark believed the worst Tom Hanks film was The Terminal. <laughs> which oh, is a film that is so inoffensive like don't be like they make up a country he's not even doing <laughs> I, I i can't imagine with bonfather vanities being a thing that you'd watch the terminal which is like a, a mildly very lukewarmy funny film which is we really enjoyed partly because of quarantine and you go you know what this is garbage it's yeah. it's just insane <laughs> The, the, the terminal is is one of two movies i have given a six it is it is according to my own personal rankings the the joint best tom hanks film that is so oh fuck i want to f- okay no i'm on board fucking fatwa this this fucker Woo-hoo! holy shit nah 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 he needs to go down yeah, um and um, also <laughs> oh, if we're massively misunderstanding the term angry. Yeah, I agree. If we're mass- also, if we're massively misunderstanding the term fat, well, please write into Friends Thoughts uh, and tell us, uh, of course, how one should correctly understand the term fat. Uh, and um, then what was your other point you wanted to discuss? Oh, uh, so thing you know, one six, was... mi- six minutes into the episode before we've actually started the episode. Yeah, yeah, we're no, still in the course, cold open. Carry on. Said, well, we, I think we mentioned the name Hanks Banks twice. We just haven't explained it. But no. anyway, uh, before that, uh, Jamie, of course, uh, as I think you know, uh, being in the UK, there was uh, a big holiday recently. Um, how did you spend VE day? Oh, um, uh, my, my mum put bunting up, uh, British flag bunting, uh, and my Scottish girlfriend noted that if she had done that in her hometown, she would have got punched in the face. True, true. I've been to her hometown, yes. Yes, I think that, I think that says more about her hometown than Scotland as a whole. Um, Uh, yeah, I believe in her hometown, yes. Uh, I believe I was uh, I was told that there was going to be um, uh, a flyover, a um, a flyer over the um, oh what are they fucking called? You know the, the big fires. planes. No, no, the the ones the ones what go whoosh with with multiple colours. Oh, they have. Oh, you're thinking the red arrows. The, the red arrows. Yes, thank you. This shows how little I engage with this sort of content. And also, let's be honest kind of offensive to call it content but i stuck with it anyway i was halfway through that sentence and said i'm not going to say the word content i know it's offensive to refer to vd ve day as content and yet i'm oh, gonna do yeah. it anyway gonna i get am sweet, sweet content yeah i am a true millennial anything i watch anything that happens in my vicinity is now considered content mm-hmm. um uh yeah so i was told that there were, the red arrows were going to happen i believe i was yeah. told that um uh that that the queen was going to give a speech. Um, I did not watch either of those things. I at 11.01 realized that we were one minute into the two minute silence, but I did observe the second minute of silence. 
So, you know, pretty good. So, um, can I check? Did you realise you were into the first minute of silence because you walked in, you're like, all right, guys, why's everyone so quiet and everyone stared at you? No, 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 fortunately not. I just checked the time and it was 11.01. <laughs> Had you been talking beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. No, it was just me and my girlfriend. Like, she, oh, right, she right. and she, well, obviously. And then you around, sat in around, silence around, yeah, while she uh, kept talking. Obviously, my girlfriend observes silence whenever she's in my presence. <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, um, I didn't really engage, but as as a uh, delightfully privately educated boy who had to be trotted out of class uh, every every November uh, for for Remembrance Day, um, and and sat and stood in the cold uh, listening to a fucking bugle once a year. Now I admit, bugle sucks. I admit that my sacrifices are marginally less than those that we're celebrating. But you can see how it would uh, grate on a young boy's soul. Um, anyway, so that was a very long and roundabout way of saying uh, not, not fucking much, to be honest. Sorry, every November 11th at the 11th hour of the 11th minute, you sit there for two minutes being like, for fuck's sake. No, 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 because, ah, so, no, we, we would be like, or the whole class, like everyone in the school would be walked out to our school's war memorial. That's how fucking posh my school was. We had our own war memorial on the school grounds and we'd all stand around there. But that means organizing an entire school of like 1800 students means it was not two minutes it was a solid 45 minutes as everyone was was trucked into line uh just so they could uh all all stand near each other Look, if it was two minutes sat in class and everyone everyone had to be quiet i'd be fine with that no, i no, think no, the... I, I, I get that jamie you know i too also went to a school which some may describe as posh uh, and, and also <laughs> and, had to go outside and stand for a woman or and uh, and, is, is and that some might the idea argue. of sitting in class is that yeah. is that the idea of you losing forty five minutes of your class time and you are like this is money down the drain okay now, I know people see, sacrifice for us but what are, what are they doing for me today if if see this if if they had oh. you know had the decency to have Remembrance Jeez. Day on you know you know a sunny May twenty fifth. You know what? I'd be fine with that. <laughs> but November eleventh, Jesus, yeah. it's it's just it's just too cold. And you know what? It's often wet as well. Uh, so now that I've been cancelled, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm uh, the uh, very, very awful Jamie Loxton. And with me as always is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. Jamie, sometimes when I start the show... I'm not going to lie. The majority of the time, I'm just like, oh, crap, I need to start the show. And I say the first thing that comes into my mind. And often it's like maybe like a five second thing. And then we just like abandon it very quickly. Uh, I was proud of the opening sections this week. OK, you know, it, it provoked conversation. We started a fatwa. We learned that, of course, you hate the sacrifices of soldiers. And, oh, you know, course. that's uh, always good. You preferred to stay in class, um, which, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Look, London look. is colder than Scotland, no. I guess. Uh I mean, it it may also just be that that I'm I'm sorry, Al. I've become a grumpy cunt. I really have. Lockdown is is wrecking me. I'm going certifiably insane. Would you like two examples of how I'm going certifiably insane, please, Alexander? Please, please give me the two examples. So, firstly, I am very distinctly uh, thinking about shaving my head. Uh, my hair has but got too long. Recently, oh, Boris Johnson told us that. Well, he didn't tell us much, but you know, it seemed pretty clear that. 
most services aren't going to be open until like July at the earliest, which yeah. puts in my mind that hairdressers probably won't be open for at least another month and a half. And my hair is already at about the longest it's been since my emo phase when I was 16. So yeah. I'm getting real goddamn close to shaving off my goddamn head. It's not shaving off my head, shaving off the hair on my head. My head's going to remain fine. Um, so that's one example of how I'm going certifiably insane. And another example is um, I-, I would like to give a shout out to to my poor suffering girlfriend um, mm-hmm. who who had to put up with me quite literally deciding uh, to go crazy. Uh, we it was it was sometime last week and uh, we've been going on our government sanctioned one walk a day. Uh, we have a park nearby us, which, you know, I'm very thankful for. It's great. But you know what? We went on the same fucking walk every fucking day. Literally just went. We had a look at those. There's been ducklings. You know, you think ducklings would make you feel yeah, happy, but yeah. it's the same fucking ducklings every fucking day. We go around the pond once, and then we go around the park, and then we come back. And and one day last week, I just opened out loud, just went, I'm not going on a fucking walk today. I have decided I'm going insane. I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm not going to go on a fucking walk today. I have decided it is my right. I'm going crazy and i'm gonna have a meltdown i said all of those words basically verbatim to my girlfriend so yeah i'm going insane alexander and it is making me uh apparently uh be very disrespectful of the dead <laughs> the dead and of course rolling stone magazine um would it, would it make you feel more or less uh happy to know that uh uh, in BC, where I am, so in British Columbia, uh, things are wow. up again. Wow, wow, you're you're Monday. already already down with the lingo, already calling it BC. To be fair, You've that's what's on and everything. But yeah, yes, saying <laughs> British Columbia is much longer than everything, so I don't think anywhere other than like official forms they call it British Columbia. Okay, anyway, yes, tell me about BC. Well, we're we're opening up again uh, next Monday. Oh, great. Yeah, sounds, yeah. sounds fun for you. Also, you can go and also... fix your fucking barnet, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it, the, the dangerous thing is, though, like, Alyssa and I have become, not the dangerous thing, Alyssa and I have become very judgmental. So uh, at the moment, this is probably why we're judgmental, uh, we are staying in an Airbnb and we have sorted out our house and we have a place to live, but we're having to kind of go every day to pick this stuff up because deliveries are coming. To set up the house. Uh, the person who we're going to be living with isn't coming till uh, mid-June. So for now, we're in the, like, a furniture Airbnb for, like, a month uh, before we move in. So that's all been fine. And, like, every day we'll walk out to the place to make sure we can set stuff and then come back. Because we don't want to take public transportation. Uh, but that does mean we're walking about, like, three hours a day. It's a long, long walk. That's all fine. Um, now, that are there said... Any, are there any small little duckies on your walk? There are some big Canada geese. And... I don't know if you know this about me, Jamie. I really don't like big ducks, uh, namely swans and geese. <laughs> I hate them. I really hate. I'm afraid of. I'm a, like Alyssa will tell you this, and actually, she's probably in a mean way. But uh, yeah, legitimately, uh, like if a swan comes near me, I'm like, I'll walk the other side of the street. All right, I don't want to be walking on the same side of the street as a swan. Swans can kill you. They can break a man's leg. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so yes, you you've been going. I, what was the point of all this? I've forgotten. You're going on a walk every day. What well, three three hours? Something to do yeah. with that? Was that it? Oh no no no. Anyway, just going to the beach. The beach <laughs> there is we go. jam jam packed. Now, oh yes yes, all, you're judgmental, yes. of course. Yeah, yeah. So because all I know are British people, the advice in the UK obviously would be don't go to the fucking beach. You idiots. I I think the advice in BC is go to the beach. So I'm confused. So my inner British judgy person is like, dear God, we're all going to die in five days. Why am I walking three hours a day? 
And uh, my inner uh, new Canadian is like, oh, hey, I hope they're having fun. Um, um, so I, I believe I believe the advice in the UK now is uh, go to the beach if you can, but only if you're working there. And if you can take public transport, don't. But don't go to the beach. But also if you're working there, go to the beach. But also you can exercise at the beach whenever you want. Uh, and also don't take public transport. I think that sort of summarizes uh, the very clear rules that are going on in the UK at the moment. I, I can understand that. And Jamie, I, I, I have to ask, um, to what extent has your bedroom been plastered with uh, photos of Nicola Sturgeon? <laughs> uh, not quite yet, but honestly, I, you, you know, I, I do feel a little bit bad every day that my girlfriend moved from Scotland to fucking <laughs> London just before this happened. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway... Goodness gracious, Al. Us going crazy notwithstanding. We are, of course, a Tom Hanks podcast. Uh, and we're not just a, a Tom Hanks podcast, the chronological review, Tom Hanks' entire MDB. We are, of course, uh, dealing with the aliens. Now, mm-hmm. last week, if you didn't yeah. listen to it, go back and fucking listen to it. It's a great episode. We reviewed the Simpsons movie, but most importantly, uh-huh. uh, we had uh, our good friend Corey on to talk about the Simpsons movie because he is a Simpsons expert. And on that episode, we gave uh, what I would define as the most comprehensive explanation of what the fuck is going on with the aliens uh, since this podcast started. So I'm not going to bother mm. with it this week. Look, nah. simple fact of the matter is the aliens are going to kill us if we don't prove our worth and them to join the United States of space. So we're doing that by showing them Tom Hanks movies, but we can't show them all of his movies. Most of his movies suck. So we're going to collect all of the good ones in a thing called the Hanks Bank. That's why we're chronologically reviewing the Tom Hanks' entire IMDb to decide the collection of movies and TV shows that we're going to show to the aliens to prove our worth and to join the United States of space. It's all so simple, but it's also way more complicated than that. Please listen to last week's episode uh, for a more in-depth explanation of that. And if you listen to last week's episode, you will, of course, learn that Corey has been here every single episode. Uh, He just only decided to pipe up when talking about The Simpsons because it was the first thing that interested him. Uh, Corey is again... Yeah, yeah, he's still here. Yeah. He's sat here on the Zoom. He's just being very polite and quiet. Uh, do you want to say anything, Jamie, Corey? He's not in the Zoom. He's here in Canada. Hey, Corey, how <laughs> you doing, buddy? Thanks. <laughs> uh, and and he will uh, he will pop in uh, if if anything um, mm-hmm. does uh, delight him about this week's movie, Charlie Wilson's War, or as I tried to Google it when I was trying to find it. Harold Wilson's War. Do not look <laughs> up Harold. <laughs> it's a very different movie. Um, no, that's yes, a very different movie. Charlie Wilson's War. Um, so, after last week where we spent an entire hour before we started talking about the movie, let's get straight into this one this week because uh, mm. it's a bit of a whiplash in terms of uh, tone from last week to this week. Um So for people who uh, haven't listened before, the structure of this is pretty simple. We give you a little bit of historical context about what happened when this movie came out. And then we give you a little bit of film context, talking a little bit about fun facts behind the movie uh, before delving into the movie itself. This movie came out in the second half of 2007. Last week, I gave you a little little tibbling a few facts from the first half of 2007 and as i found out not a fucking lot happened in the first half of 2007 but al has been tasked with finding out what's happened in the second half of 2007 have you found anything interesting for me alexander i mean uh, yes and no. i think i think some of, some, some of the stuff you obviously touched on last week uh 2007 in general is sort of goes down in recent history as like one of the best if not the best year for movies in the 21st century and one of the best year for movies in the last 150 years. So uh, I can't remember if you mentioned it or not, but specifically like No Country for Old Men comes out, Juno comes out, um, There Will Be Blood comes out, like these kind of big, dramatic, serious films. 
and also Charlie Wilson's War. Um, and also the Simpsons movie and Superbad, and of also course. The, exactly. And of course, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 make you more money than the Harry Potter movie. Wow. Uh, and, well, this is something which like both surprises me and doesn't surprise me. It's like, the Harry Potter films made a lot of money, but considering how culturally important I think they were, like, um, like you know, it's in terms of like the Harry Potter craze and all that kind of stuff, like, compared to the Marvel movies, they made no money. Like all yeah. the, the big Marvel movies, they weren't they weren't billion dollar films. I mean, I guess not that there were many billion dollar films. Probably a case of um, Order of the Phoenix being right in the middle. A little bit of Harry, you're not quite at the end yet. Where there was yeah. uh, uh, the Deathly Hallow films, obviously had sold really really well, but it's right in the middle. There's a little bit of fatigue, like mm. like sometimes happens with the middle Marvel movies, unless it's like a particularly big one. Um, sure. People get a little bit fatigued by, it. and the third. Um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, supposedly at the time, I believe, was supposed to be the last one, wasn't it? It was supposed to be a trilogy originally. Yeah, yes, uh, I believe so. So that the probably just Pirates got of its... film also, obviously also being the worst Pirates of the Caribbean film. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, it, interestingly, in franchises, so bad films often result in bad sales for the next one, not necessarily that one. That's a good point, actually. I, I find it interesting that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 3, I think for the time was the most expensive movie ever made. Jesus um, it will cost something like $300 million. Uh, this is just a fun fact I know in general, but like really expensive film. Whereas I think the Harry Potter films like were definitely one of those kind of movies where like they had it down to a T on how much to make those films. So it never like sprawled in terms of budget until I think the last two, but that's only because I think they did it like they produced both at once. So it ended up being a case where like that may have cost 200 million, 250 million, but spare across two films. Um, in the same way that uh, with Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, I believe they cost $500 million to make, but that's across two films of $250 million each, which isn't too bad. And also, I think, I mean, separately marketing budgets. And also the fact that I think both made over a billion dollars means Disney slapped into the bank. Jamie, how long do you think it is until uh, Disney buys Harry Potter? Disney bought. Wait, what? Oh, that's, how, how oh. long do you reckon it's going to be until? Okay, Disney from buys Harry from Potter? right now. I, th- yeah. I thought I thought you meant you were asking me in two thousand and seven. How many further years was it? And I was like, wait, that happened between two thousand and seven and now. Um, um, I don't know. I feel like uh, Warner Bros. Are like decent like they they are still a strong powerhouse i feel like they're one of the few people out there that can Ooh. hold off disney for a little bit longer i i don't know here's my thing because uh, we had christ uh they are doing better now i think but even then like the more the most recent harry potter the most recent film the harry potter world got slated to pieces um, the Curse of Grindelwald, which I yeah. saw in cinemas, was not but good. But I, I guess, I guess, therefore, the question is, what would Disney do with Harry Potter? And also, you've got to think that the people yeah. selling Harry Potter aren't just selling Harry Potter rights to the films. They're selling, most importantly, things like Harry Potter World and like the, the sure. Harry Potter Land but at Universal. Harry, sure, but Universal isn't Universal and uh, Warner Brothers. I don't believe are owned by the same company. So interestingly, and this is a weird fun fact I know about the Harry Potter world, there was talks of doing Harry Potter world as a separate park in Disney, but eventually uh, JK and Disney really wanted to get Harry Potter there for obvious reasons. But JK Rowling was like, well, I don't want them to sell Coke at Harry Potter world. Like, you know, it's not really a thing you would have in like Hogwarts. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so they, they wanted to sell like Disney tat. 
And she was like, well, I want, like, the food to be, like, Harry Potter related and the food to be, and, like, the drinks to be Harry Potter related. And they were like, lol, nah. Uh, so eventually they went to Universal, who agreed to do that, which is fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've been to Universal, but I didn't spend much time in the Harry Potter world because, fun fact, it always has the longest fucking queues. Um, yeah. But I know in Universal they have like Duff beer in in Moe's Tavern and stuff like that. So I know they cool. ge- they generally do try to. I mean, yeah. it's probably just another beer rebrand. Actually, no wait. I think yes. no, I, I think, think it... I did re- re- read that they do brew specifically Duff beer. Obviously, it's yeah, not canonically yeah. anything, but sure. Um, yeah, they are but, they um, are quite strict about keeping. Yeah to the style of each like area that they have in those worlds. Yes. Whereas I think at Disney, so something like the Star Wars land, um, Edge of the Ga- Galaxy, Galaxy's Edge, they have very cool containers and stuff. Have you seen the photos? They look very cool. They have very cool, like, you know, Star Wars-y looking containers, or, but, well, you know, orbs and things, but it's just Coca-Cola inside. So they, mm. I think they make a lot of money probably working on that kind of thing. And they obviously want to stick to what they know, which he's made them a load of money. But um, I, I also, I just think conversely, like, owning Harry Potter is seemingly kind of a thing Disney, like, in recent years, Disney's output has been largely, like, Disney buys large brands and, like, forces, not forces, but, like, produces a lot of content from that brand. So, Star Wars or Marvel have been the big successes, but also something like Pixar, um, similarly, too, was an acquisition, uh, and it's just, yeah, it's an interesting time. Did you know, and fun fact... Uh, that Disney bought Pixar for more than they bought Star Wars. Wow! I think they paid. F- I think they paid four billion for Pixar. And I think they paid one point four billion or something for. Uh, I guess. I, I guess know. when when they were buying Pixar's, Star Pixar's. Wars, they were more buying the like the IP to bring it in house, whereas they were buying Pixar, the studio, to then. Sure also have pixar themselves carry on making their films so, so that is em- true yeah but they did technically buy i think they technically bought the whole of LucasArts catalog and everything they owned so they actually did buy things like uh, lucas games uh no uh lucas sorry they, lucas films but they bought lucas arts who make the video games uh including like a lot of non-star wars or, or indiana jones related properties such as um Oh, Christ. Uh, Monkey Island? <laughs> what? Which, Sorry, I, I, st- I really stopped paying oh, attention. Never mind. Anyway, so <laughs> basically LucasArts is like a very, very, was a, it's shut down, a very, very history um, uh, video game company with like a, a big history in uh, like adventure point and click games um, along outside other stuff, but also Industrial Light and Magic, um, which is the effects workshop which i think now i think may have done it before but like are, are one of the kind of leading effects companies so it's a weird case where i think i believe they overpaid for i think it's kind of considered they massively overpaid for pixar because they had in the beginning a chance to buy pixar for much less and then but didn't because they were like ha pixar you're crap as you talked about very eloquently in um our toy story episode and then when they ended up needing to buy it they paid foot and mouth for it which is uh interesting anyway back to 2007 sorry a bit of a yes yeah there oh disney yeah history. yeah <laughs> not that this has anything to do with disney um but very briefly kind of the one thing else which i think is interesting it kind of rhymes a little bit with the film obviously in charlie wilson's war uh a lot of it's uh centers around uh charlie wilson's kind of interacting with the president of pakistan 
uh, I think it's the Prime Minister, uh, President of Prime Minister, Karen Sean, uh, Zio, uh, who is mentioned to have uh, ousted his predecessor in a coup and had him executed, uh, 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 and referencing to him as uh, Bhutto. Now, I was talking to Alyssa about this, and I was like, wait, is that Benazir Bhutto? Who was also a Prime Minister of, uh, Prime Minister or President of Pakistan, who was assassinated. Um, and it turns out that actually it's her father. Now, interestingly, so so her father was Prime Minister of Pakistan, and in this is the, the Prime Minister right before the guy we meet in Charlie Wilson's War. Okay. In 2007, she she had previously she had become uh, the leader of Pakistan and was assassinated in 2007. So but the year huh. this film came out, his daughter, who would go on to become a liberal leader of Pakistan, um, she's an influence on someone like uh, Malala Yousaf, so, um, and she also ended up getting assassinated. Uh, so it turns out Pakistan, not a great place to be a liberal leader or a female leader uh, if you don't want to get killed. That's actually, that's really interesting. Thank you very yeah, much. That, that's a very interesting fact. Um, so I am tasked with telling you a little bit about Charlie Wilson's war. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, before we get into some fun facts behind the film, uh there's not going to be that many. Most of them are going to sort of spoil elements of the plot. So I'm just going to have to weave them in as we go through. But yes. uh, I normally give a little bit of a plot breakdown. So for anyone who doesn't know, Charlie Wilson's yeah. War depicts uh, is a uh, true story about the uh, congressman Charlie Wilson and his uh, back room dealings to get funding for the Mujahideen mm-hmm. in uh, the uh, in Afghanistan in the fight against the Soviet Union during the Cold War, ultimately yeah. um, sort of uh, telegraphing the dem- resulting in the uh, withdrawal of the Soviet Union from Afghanistan. Sure. And some may say uh, telegraphing the fall. the fall of the Soviet yeah. Union. Others could uh, disagree with that, but I'm not a historian. Um, uh, Jamie, quick question. Not quick question. Yep. Just a, a clarification for our younger listeners. Uh, what was the Soviet Union and what was the Cold War? Soviet Union, pre-Russia. <laughs> what was the Cold War? <laughs> pre- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, and, and the Cold War was... Uh, called the cold war because it was a war that wasn't really a war where pre-russia and current usa (laughs) um, both were going we really don't like each other but we can't actually attack each other so they all fought each other in other people's countries instead because they're Um, cunts so fun fun fact about me uh one summer i worked at a jewish summer camp in america which is a very good time a lot of lovely people uh very interesting uh and uh, as, as part of that, obviously, they kind of talk about, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's probably a lot of counselors in sorts, a lot about uh, Jewish identity and things like the formation of Israel and stuff like that. And they would have, uh, some of the counselors would be IDF soldiers who on their kind of two-year conscription would spend the summer coming across and, you know, helping out in the camp, which is very interesting. Um, apparently, the, the year before I came, uh, there was some trouble because they had a kind of day where they were, again, talking about the kind of formation of Israel and stuff. And um, they kept referring to, to I think, it was at the time, British Palestine as pre-Israel, <laughs> which is is an interesting way of framing uh, of framing Palestine uh, at the time. So that that just reminded me of that, which tickled my tickled my <laughs> ivories. Um, um, yeah, so that's what Charlie Wilson's War is about. It's all about. Um, sure. Yeah, this funding of the Mujahideen uh, in Afghanistan to fight off the Soviet Union and how it happened. Um, 
uh, we should say uh, preface this. I don't know about Al. I think he's he's more intelligent than I am. But uh, I'm I'm a big old dum dum. I don't know history at all. Uh, I didn't even do G- uh, history up to GCSE. I stopped studying when things happened at age thirteen because I could. Sure. I was really bad at history. I could never remember dates. I was really bad at it, and so I mm. I just I like always got demoralized by it. So I didn't carry on studying it, and so I stopped studying at thirteen. And now I know. I don't know when anything happened. Um, history has always famously been my worst quiz round. I suck at history. Consequently, I also know very fucking little about the Cold War. Thus, when I discuss this, I might be hugely historically inaccurate. But I also think you shouldn't have to have any decent level of knowledge uh, of a cold, of the Cold War uh, <laughs> to understand a fucking film. Um, so no, fair, I think I think I'm perfectly justified in my opinion. Of course, I have I, done a little bit of research uh, when looking sure. into the background of this film. Uh, but yeah, if I say things that are incorrect or say sure. that the Cold War happened in the 40s, like I don't know, <laughs> like I don't, I don't fucking Wait, know. Wait, it starts in the 40s. To be fair, literally, not, I thought. See, I thought wrong. I was so wildly off. I thought I was saying the Cold War was so, started in the 40s was such an absurdly crazy thing for someone to believe because it was so much earlier than when it started. This two, is how little I know, Alexander. Two, anyway. two fun facts. Two, well, not fun facts. One, I may be asking you to define historical things at some points, uh, and. Uh, for comedy purposes and two of course uh, look naturally I know we mentioned Eleanor in this episode uh, her of uh, Nicholas Sturgeon post of fame um, we also haven't mentioned uh, Alyssa my uh, dear girlfriend who I've seen no one else but for the last four months because you know obviously quarantine and being on a train uh, and I will at some points uh, I may reference her to uh, be our historical fact checker as someone okay. with a degree in both IR and uh, history with uh, some focus on the years in this period. Uh, she's, as in not, you're not early modern history, you're modern history. Um, so if we say something wildly uh, out of sync with the truth, that's it. Uh, let's just confirm, Alyssa, could you argue the Cold War begins after the end of World War Two? Yeah, cool. There you're right. Yeah, 40s was correct. Um, so Again, Jamie, you're not I as much of a dum-dum as you thought. N- no, it, it, it doubly proves me as a dum-dum because I wasn't <laughs> trying to be correct. I was trying to be so wildly wrong. I thought that I thought that the Cold War started much later than that, so I used it as a joke answer. Oh, so, God. Anyway. fun. Also, fun fact for, uh, again, younger listeners, uh, some political theorists or historians, I guess, would argue the Cold War never ended and was still in the Cold War, as seen by... Many things, including the invasion of Georgia, invasion of Ukraine, and of course, uh, the hacking of the US election in 2016. Um, fun. fun times. Anyway, this movie, uh, as I say, came out uh, December 21st, um, mm-hmm. uh, 2007. Was originally due mm-hmm. to come out on Christmas, which is apparently a thing that some movies do, and I don't understand it. Yes. Um, uh, basically, think of the reason why I think in the States, so in the UK, it's normally Boxing Day stuff comes out. Yeah. Um, or it might be Christmas, but it's for Boxing Day because people do tend to go watch, you know, what are you going to do on Boxing Day? Go watch your film. I believe in North America, if I'm going to make a wild guess and say it's because there are, you know, a lot of Jewish people, a lot of non-Christian people who want something to do on Christmas. Yeah, that's probably a decent chap. Um, so yeah, it was made on a $75 million budget uh, and mm. it made $120 million. So, you know, okay, it made a profit, oh. but not nothing uh, hugely, hugely successful. Not to continue slowing us down. That this movie cost seventy five million. Yeah, 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 like, like it what is the all fuck? on the actors. It is hundred yeah, percent yeah. that a lot of these actors got paid very well, and not on the like anything um, else. 
which uh, would sort of make sense because Tom Hanks produced it um, uh, with yeah, his man. company Playtone, uh, who we, we have sort of alluded to before, uh, but not really talked yeah, about talk much. About um, uh, he founded them pre-Castaway, uh, yeah. and they produced Castaway. Polar Express um, are the only ones that Tom Hanks has been in that uh, uh, we've no, seen they so also, far. They also produced um, That Thing You Do. No, they don't. They are named. They are named after the le- either they produced it or they are named after the record label in that thing you do. I think they are Plato. named after the record sure. label in that thing you do. I think Tom Hanks produced, maybe produced, but he hadn't formed Playtone yet. When I looked at Playtone, sure. the first film on there, their was thing was Castaway. Castaway. Um, sure. So yeah, they Castaway looks best Big Fat Greek Wedding. Sorry, yes, uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding and, and Mamma Mia. And I'm a Mamma Mia. Um, they also produced the next uh, film uh, on Tom Hanks' list, uh, which we're going to review next week, which is The Great Buck Howard. Um, but yeah, so so far, uh, only a few Tom Hanks uh, starring films uh, that mm-hmm. Playtone have produced. Uh, it is written by Aaron Sorkin uh, at this time of exclusively West Wing fame, but obviously would go on to uh, write The Newsroom, which we will get back to. He will also, and I assume this is being produced this year, uh, next year obviously comes out in 2008, The Social Network. The Social Network, uh, yeah. For, I believe he wins Best... Uh, best screenplay he, he, best screenplay and then uh, best adaptive screenplay that would be and I think he's also previously won for um, All the President's Men which I think not uh, not All the President's Men that's uh, William Golding it's um, is it All the Pre- who's the you know the one with Tom Cruise sorry great reference uh, you know you can't handle the truth Janikerson Tom I have Cruise. no clue my guy oh for no God's clue sake, it's almost you as if I should have done my own fucking research. Um, right, why are you looking that up? Um, yeah, a few good men. There you go. It's a few good men. Thank Sorry. you. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm talking very uh, accomplished writer in his own right. Uh, sure. This is also an adaptation uh, which got nominated for adapted screenplay for the Golden Globe, not the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's adapted from George Giles's book uh, of the same name. Uh, with yep. the subtitle uh, "The Extraordinary Story of the Largest Covert Operation in History," uh, my first note is to George Giles. Um, it might be Kryles. I think it's Kryles. I think I can't read my own handwriting. Um, but yeah, uh, shorten down your subtitles, my guy. Um, uh, Mike Nichols uh, directs it. This is actually the last film he directs. Um, he so is fun. a very accomplished theatrical director as well as a film director, most notably for directi- uh, directing The Graduate. Uh, in terms of the cast, uh, we have, of course, Tom Hanks playing Charlie Wilson. Uh, we have Julia Roberts playing Joanna Herring, who is the um, Republican uh, sort of rich donor and fundraiser um, whom he yeah. is... Uh, uh, yes, whom he goes to. Uh, mm. We have Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, as sure. Gus oh, Avrakatos, uh, for which Oof. he gets an Oscar nomination. Uh, we have yep. Amy Adams as Bonnie Bush, who is um, Charlie Wilson's main advisor uh, and is, in fact, a uh, fabricated role for this film. Um, although most of this film is uh, correct, um, yeah, he did not have um, any... He had a male... Uh, main aid uh, and sure. um yeah most of the depictions of okay. his aids are fanciful for the movie sure um, um can i yep. i just want to th- throw something out there uh can you guess the four films nominated for best adapted screenplay that year 2007 oscars 2007 uh, i'm gonna go for the simpsons movie uh, sure <laughs> uh no clue uh no uh, so, I, i'm really bad for when movies came out no problem the Departed, uh, which is based obviously on the, the Hong Kong film Internal Affairs, Parts 1 and 2. Um, Notes on Scandal, sure. Children Men, 
great film. Little Children, okay. And instead of Charlie Wilson's War, you're going to love this. Borat, Cultural Learnings of America from a Benefit <laughs> Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. What the fuck? Was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. That's also a mostly fucking improvised film. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think it's because oh, that, it's based on characters created previously in the Allergy that, Show. That must, that must have fucking hurt. Holy yeah. shit. Oh. Somewhere out there, Aaron Sorkin was doing a rail of coke in anger. Um... Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, so yeah, that's most of what I have uh, on the background of the movie because, as I say, most of what uh, uh, and just sort of in general, Spoiling, um, yeah. this is generally considered to be pretty accurate. If anything, yeah. in terms of the events, in terms of the characterization of Charlie Wilson, apparently they toned him down a lot. We will get into this. He is depicted as sort of a womanizer and uh, a partier, which is um, sort of uh, the background to to what he then goes on to do. Yeah. But apparently they tone that down heavily. Apparently he is way more of a partier uh, and way more of, a, he is described as a particularly flamboyant, um, enthusiastic, uh, energetic man uh that uh doesn't quite come across uh in the film whether through uh that that was probably more due to a choice uh, more than anything um but yeah so there are a couple other things which i will talk about especially to do with the ending of this film uh mm. as we go through but let's sure. get into this film okay so uh this film begins of course as all good films should do with uh tom hanks and a hot tub with strippers all right yep People are doing cocaine. It's Vegas, baby. That's right. You, uh, Jamie, there's a segment in the show which we have long neglected. Uh, uh, wait, oh, oh, wait, Alexander. Oh, yeah. Oh, should I? One second. Give me uh, 30 seconds Please while do. I just um, share my screen uh, and play you. Uh, is this is this the segment you were talking about, Alexander? Oh, I, th- I, th- I think this is probably the segment. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go to one of our favorite segments on this show. Does Tom Hanks fuck in this film? film. Yes, yes, Tom Hanks fucks in this film. Uh, he does a lot of fucking in this film. Um, he uh, mostly fucks uh, Julia Roberts, as we will find out. Um, but it's pretty heavily implied that this guy, he be fucking. Yeah, this, look, look, and again, mum, hi, I know you're back into listening to this show, so enjoy. Uh, but uh, yeah, Tom Hanks has sex with pretty much anything that moves in this film. Um, it's it's an interesting start to a Tom Hanks film. And I, I obviously, I, we're slowing down this film at the very beginning, but... Uh, I think this is Tom Hanks' sexiest role. I think this is the sexiest Tom Hanks is probably in any film. Like, you watch this and the man has swagger. You, you look at him and you're like, oh, you're not a family man, Tom Hanks. You're not like my dad. You're my daddy, Tom Hanks. You're my daddy. Uh, because he I, looks like he could do some nasty I things. I can't disagree more. I think what? this is. A, I think this is such a miscast. Like, I... I, I so I, disagree, but okay. I, 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 think, I think Tom Hanks does his best, but... He's still Tom Hanks, and I, I, I think the the um le, Lotharioness of this character absolutely could have been played up more by another by another actor. Oh, I so disagree. I so, anyway, so carrying okay. on, Jamie wouldn't fuck uh, Charlie Wilson. Al would. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so of course they're doing some lines of cocaine, everyone's having a good time. Uh, we don't have a segment for this, but to answer the question, are there boobies in this film? Yes, there are boobies in this film. Uh, people are topless. <laughs> uh, I think this is the only, this is the first film in a long time which has had actual boobies in it, uh, save maybe for, uh, I, I think with the last one probably being uh, either um, every time we say goodbye, or which I, I think does have boobs in it, 
<laughs> all bachelor party, which uh, I'm sure definitely does somewhere in that film. Anyway, I, I, so- I'll be honest, Alexander, you disgusting pervert. I've not paid that much attention to how many boobs appear in the Tom Hanks films we've been watching. Well, we, we know but at I'm least in this film, you've got four. a good documentarian on this. It's, it's, <laughs> look, as I was saying to Alyssa yesterday, my, <laughs> at my, least, my knowledge at least four at least individual four. boobs. Yes, we, there are two sets at least in this film, definitely, and there are at least four overall. Oh, four um, overall. I thought you meant in this film. I was okay. Anyway, goodness gracious, we are one second into this film. Um, sure. Yeah, he, so, he's. Um, he's He's with some the news. Yeah. yeah, he's in Wisdom in that hot tub. He's with a sleazy guy. At this point, we don't know he's a congressman. Up on the screen, uh, there's going to kind of cl- uh, clip in a corner. <laughs> People are just doing drugs everywhere. It's the 80s, baby. Uh, this stuff is like crack, except not crack, because white people do it, and it's less illegal. Hooray, racism. Anyway, up on the screen, they're showing the Mujahideen. Uh, Tom Hanks, and like, showing, turn that uh, up, dude. Yeah, Dan Rather, uh, who's a relatively famous news anchor in the uh, United States, sure. is reporting on the Mujahideen. He gets them to turn it up, and he's like, oh, that's... That's pretty crazy. What's going on over there? Yeah. Uh, and then these uh, these strippers are like, "Hey, Mister, what are you doing?" This is how this, <laughs> this is kind of how they speak. It's not far. This, off. Yeah, like I'd like I I'd love to get cancelled even further. Uh, but this is pretty much how they do speak. Um, uh, sure. uh, hey, Mister, what do you do that you're so interesting? We've never met nobody who's interested in stuff like this, like yous. And he's like. Uh, hey, I'm a congressman. And they're like, ha, ah, what do you mean? He's like, hey, I'm a congressman of Texas's second congressional this district year. or some shit like that. I'm about to sneeze, so carry on. Sure. We didn't want those sneeze <sighs> buttons. Anyway, so they, they go... You you, we need one of those silence buttons. No, like sneeze buttons. Like oh. when you're in like a studio, like when, but one day, <sighs> Jimmy, when we make it big, all right, and we have a big studio, we're going to have a sneeze button so you can sneeze off and it'll no, be fine. Yeah, and, and, and um, as someone who has hay fever, that would be very useful to me. That'd be great. You can start sneezing all the time. You don't have to hold it in all the time. <laughs> Whereas at um, the moment, I'm just like Taze on day where I <laughs> lean away from the mic to sneeze. <laughs> I'm bringing in some fucking Tazon Day references. I'm bringing in 2006 YouTube references, Alexander. What are you bringing to this podcast? I'm bringing in understanding of the Cold War, Jamie. So anyway, he's like, look, I gotta go, I gotta go back to the Senate. All right, I'm not the Senate, the Congress. Who cares? U.S. politics is weird. Uh, the girl's like, oh, but we, we're so cute. Come on. And he's like, no, but let's go in the, let's go in the limo and do some work. Um, yeah, and, so like, and this this guy alongside is trying to get him to invest in uh, a, TV a TV show. show. Basically, sure. that will actually come back. Uh, he hops yeah. on the plane, goes back to Washington. Yes, uh, back in Washington, of course, uh, he takes a vote. People ask, hey, is this vote important? He's like, it's not important, but I pretty much take a vote on everything. I say yes to pretty much anything. Um, we see a kind of brief clip where uh, he meets a kind of Tex- a guy from his district, a kind of big Texas cowboy kind of guy, and his daughter, who's played by Emily Blunt, for a line wh- uh, for a role in which I think she has about three lines. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, the Texas guy is like, look, you know, there's a, a bit of a furor in our small town in Texas. Uh, you know, it's it's a small township, and we put a crib, uh, like a nativity scene, because it's coming up to Christmas, on the fire station lawn, and uh, the ACLU are suing us because apparently we can't put. Apparently, there's to be a separation of state and church. <laughs> Who said that? Oh, the founders of America, whatever. To which Tom Hanks is like, well, look, there's a church a block down. Why don't you just put it in the church lawn? And he's like, well, that's the, that's the difference. Okay, well, shut up, Tom Hanks, all right? I should be able to put my Jesus wherever I want to put my Jesus. And Tom Hanks is like, just there's like a hundred churches in this town. Put it on one of the church lawns and move on, dude. 
And you're all like, cool. We cut then, of course, uh, to my favorite place in the world, the CIA. That's right, the Central Intelligence Agency. We see, uh, I think, Roger Sterling uh, from uh, Mad Men, uh, also from Spotlight. It's not Roger Sterling. Whoever the guy is who's both in Mad Men and Spotlight, I'm sorry, I forget his name. Uh, uh, it is it John Slattery? Yes, John Slattery, who's also in, uh, plays Tony Stark's dad in uh, some of the uh, yes. Iron Man films. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, he's Cooper. basically uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's boss. And you know what? Yeah. I don't fucking remember what the point of this scene was because... Oh, well, I remember I, what the I, point of it was. Sure. He was really angry at Philip Seymour sure. Hoffman. So what were the details? Hap- I don't fucking remember. what happens is uh, John Slattery has been made, uh, like... The CIA's chief for European operations, right? And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, given a great performance here, uh, yeah, oh, he's so fucking had been had been promised by the former chief. Uh, he, they come in, and he he's like, you know, John Slattery's like, okay, I've been told by Greg that uh, you want to come apologize to me, and John Seymour Hoffman's like, well, I was told by Greg that you want to apologize to me. Fuck off, dude. And they're like, okay, well, great. Uh, they both kind of start arguing and start arguing. Turns out that Philip Seymour Hoffman had been promised the uh, Finland desk, right? Uh, Finland? Sweden? Helsinki desk. He'd been, yeah. uh, he was going to be put into the field because he had been a field agent to run the uh, station out in Helsinki. He'd been learning. Um, he'd been in Greece for the past 10 years, kind of uh, handling stuff in Greece. Uh, of course, during the Cold War, uh, positions presumably in, the, uh, in Scandinavia would be you know, probably more highly sought after because of the fact of their proximity to Russia. Um, they kind of, they argue back and forth for a while. Turns out he'd been promised this role by the previous boss of the place. The new guy's like, well, I don't like you. You're a dick and you're not diplomatic. He's like, well, what about the fact that like, okay, fine, fuck you, dude. But also like the previous boss had fired a thousand CIA employees because of the fact that they were first and second uh, generation immigrants to America. And the guy's like, well, uh, you know, basically saying, you know, it's racist. Do you think these guys are spies? To which John Slattery is like, well, I like my Americans. Uh, I like my spies who have been Americans more than just like one generation, which is gross. Um, Philip Seymour often had previously broken a window. He proceeds to re-smash the window in uh, great form and goes off. He hates it. He meets uh, someone else in the CI who's like, you should come upstairs. Uh, and, you know, if you look, if what you want to do is, fight with the Russians, you should come upstairs with, uh, we've got some stuff with Afghanistan. We've got a dealing with that. Very interesting. We cut back to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, of course, is now uh, having sex with, not having sex, but about to have sex with uh, Emily Blunt uh, in one of the kind of rare Emily Blunt roles where we, Emily Blunt normally doesn't just do roles where we just can like, it's a very classic James Bondy type of like hot lady who we see in her underwear. We do see her in the underwear, so uh, sure, if, you, if you're counting, there you go. Um, and they're kind of about <laughs> to hook up. Charlie Wilson uh, is, of course, you know, he's Lothario. He hooks up with everyone. This is his kind of thing. They're about to have sex. And he gets a call to which Emily Blunt's like, I thought, I was told you didn't have a girlfriend. And he's like, I don't have a girlfriend. And uh, previously in the scene with uh, her father, the uh, guy from Texas, uh, he had kind of like out the window shouted, double the budget for Afghanistan, go from 5 million to 10 million, right? Gets a phone call, it's Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts is like, hey, I've heard you double the budget from Afghanistan. He's like, you, how do you know that? That's like confidential information. Well, what's your source? And she's like, look, I'm having a little meetup tomorrow at my house. Uh, it's with the, uh, you know, a bunch of rich people, a bunch of donors. Uh, I'm going to show a little film about Afghanistan. You should come along. He goes, okay, great, sure. Goes along the next day. Uh, there's a slave auction going on, which 
you know, just to stop for a second. Wait, um, uh, wait, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. We should be very clear. Um, like women, not, yeah, like a, yeah, <laughs> women, women. So not, they're not like, selling. They're not selling slaves. It, yes, yes, yeah. It's it's like a like a thing you'd see in like a frat house or a sorority party <laughs> where like yes. girls are auctioned off uh, to do things in their underwear. So the one they um, are selling off at the time is a girl who's going to law school and she'll wash your car with three of her sorority mates. You I'm should not really lie. not just just say. Oh yeah, so there's a slave auction. Let's move on. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> the the idea that just like these rich people in uh, Washington in the 1980s were just like selling slaves, um, you know, not that far fetched, but sure, why not? Uh, yes, no, that it's it's gross. They're in their underwear. Uh, Amy Adams, of course, uh, playing the assistant, doesn't like it. Nope. Um, she's like, well, this is really demeaning. Uh, he's like, well, you know, she's a very qualified woman. She went to Harvard or something, whatever. She's really smart. And uh, which, which Amy Adams points out, she looks. She's an ultra. She's an ultra right wing hardline conservative. Why are we here? We're Democrats. And he, to which the kind of uh, the implication is because, as we said previously, guys, Tom Hanks definitely hooks up in this film. He yep. definitely makes some sweet sweet love, and he makes some sweet sweet love to Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts wants to get uh, Tom Hanks to uh, uh, Charlie Wilson to increase his involvement increase the government's involvement in afghanistan of course the u.s doesn't want to get more involved in afghanistan because they don't want to turn it from a cold war into hot war so at this point they've been providing the uh mushardine and afghani fighters with uh effectively world war ii era uh, yeah they they mentioned like enfield rifles and shit uh stuff that is not going to uh take down the um uh, the Soviet Tanks helicopters, and helicopters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think around this time we do get shots of like Soviet helicopters just gunning yeah. down uh, Afghani civilians. Uh, civilians. Um, yes. So she convinces him to go to Pakistan, Pakistan to yeah. uh, meet with the um, uh, Pakistani oh, leadership. Think, he, yeah, he's like, though. he's like, what the fuck? How can you do that? She's like, ah, I can, I can. So I've set up the meeting. Sure. Go. Um, he goes there. Uh, it's um, uh, it's 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 frosty let's oh, be yeah. honest uh As the pakistani Pakistan, leadership doesn't really like uh him very much yeah and i i, I think similarly he doesn't like the fact that uh, in the president's uh house they don't have any booze to give him yep. because uh it, this is a muslim country and fair enough um as is their right uh, also, he doesn't like the fact that they assassinated. They, no, I said they assassinated. Yeah. They they killed their predecessor in a coup. So you know, we do that's get fair some. Too. Um, we'll sort of touch. It's very very Aaron Sorkin-y sort of uh, back and forth witty dialogue, mm. um, where where the, he's like, "Hey, I just I just doubled your budget," uh, and then the mm. the Pakistan leadership is like. Oh, to, to $10 million. Is that a joke? And then someone else goes, yes. yes. Are you joking with us? And then the third one goes, yes, sorry. Um, what he's implying is that $10 million is such low of a figure that for you to brag about it, you must be joking. Yes. <laughs> um, so yes, they, they are not happy that they are not being provided no. with enough, um, uh, enough funds to yeah. actively uh, fight the Soviet Union. They they also feel in, a, I, I don't know, what I feel is probably a good, a good line or good section uh, that the, all the money should flow through them directly rather than just directly to the uh, Afghanis, um, you know, the, uh, which is, it's interesting. Because in the, the, like, the, the, uh, Pakistan, the Pakistanis argument is just like, oh, we we couldn't give the money directly to these, uh, let's not use Refugees words. That, yes, uh, we, we're, yeah. we're, the, we're the civilized people. We, 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 hey. we know how to use the money. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they say you should go down to one of our sure. uh, camps where we have a lot of Afghan refugees. Yeah. He does it, that. It kind of, 
they reference the fact that uh, at this point, one fifth of the population of Afghanistan lives on the northern border of Pakistan, right? So yeah. that's that's kind of their their problem is so, hey, massive influx of people, we want to get them out, therefore we need to stop the war. Yeah, um, uh, he goes, goes down to, there, which is uh, it's it's a real event that actually happened. He did go and visit yeah. uh, uh, an uh, Afghan refugee camp. Yeah. Uh, he meets as, children with like arms sure. blown off and stuff yeah. like that. It turns out the and again also true to life facts like. The Soviets have been using uh, landmines, which obviously later in history have been outlawed, but specifically landmines designed with parts designed to look like candy or look like toys so that children would uh, pick them up and it would uh, maim and wound children, not necessarily to kill, but to maim and wound, because if children were maim and wounded, then more people have to stay at home and look them after the, look after them rather than fight, which is despicable, and of course why landmines have been outlawed in uh, war yes. since then. Uh, also, um, um, this is the time where I should uh, layer in that the uh, film never came out in Russia. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, whereas, where they argue, uh, many people hypothesize that mm. um, it was because it made the Soviet Union look particularly bad, uh, but the yeah. uh, head of the cinema uh, board, uh, or like the head of the, sense, some dude sure, high up sense, in Russia, sure, the, ba- the, yeah, basically yeah. just the BBFC went, for Russia. Yes, basically just went, no, we just didn't release it because we didn't think it would make any fucking money, um, which is, you know, fair enough. It probably wouldn't. But also, you know, no. you can't exactly take that at face value. He yeah. could easily just say that and actually just want to not release it because it, uh, yeah, doesn't exactly pay oh, the Soviets because, in the best Because at, at the time, I believe the Prime Minister of Russia had formerly been, uh, had sorry, had served in the KGB for years. What? Crazy. Oh, Vladimir crazy. Putin is an ex-KGB agent who really wants the reforming of the Soviet Union. What? Crazy. Anyway, uh, this is going to get us banned in Russia. So fun times. Yes. So, um, um, <laughs> I, I can I can guarantee I've checked our stats yes. I, we have not had a single download no, in Russia that yet. is true um, so importantly um, also like look in again reinforcing the fact that like hey the Soviet Union and the other bad guys here um, they reference the fact that like Soviet soldiers have been raping women and just bayonetting pregnant women to kill them and their children as well so yes. like so, generally um, horrific campaign Amy Adams is there too yeah both of them are deeply like upset by this obviously yeah. and they come back to america and mm-hmm. uh he meets with a cia uh personnel to get briefed well, uh very, and very briefly beforehand in pakistan they meet with a pakistan station chief um tom hanks is like what do you need to take down the look oh, clearly yes. the problem is the helicopters what do you need to take down the helicopters the guy's like i am required to give you this briefing but if we like we don't want to inject money into this we don't want to inject oh, that, money into that, this that's war. the guy i was talking about sorry is he is oh, he no, still that's in pakistan, pakistan. He's oh, a, he's still in, in Pakistan. Pakistan. So he, cool. He's the Pakistani station. Uh, either he's the Afghan station chief in Pakistan or he's the Pakistani station chief. Anyway, but one of the two. Um, he basically, essentially, they don't want money. They don't want to draw attention to it. And his case there is, we don't want to turn a Cold War hot. Yes. So back yeah, they in, don't want to, yeah. So you're basically refusing more money. Back in, uh, they fly back to America. Tom Hanks is pierced. Uh, it's not about this time, but I think at this time it's probably uh, worth noting. Uh, everyone in Tom Hanks' office are women. Uh, yes. And at a time when uh, Joe Biden uh, is being accused of some shit. Um, yeah. yeah they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not just women. They are very specifically women uh, with... With big boobs. Their, with, their, with their tops boobs very ex- extensively unbuttoned uh, sure. to show their cleavage. Um, There's it, a line earlier where, where someone says, in a kind of Saucony this is the 1980s way uh she goes why is everyone women why is everyone here women to which one of the people working in the office says uh well as mr wilson says you can teach anyone to type you can't teach them to grow tits uh which is a lie <laughs> that's a that's a it's a lie 
Well, well, I don't think you can teach them to grow tits. They, 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 they can't have that. They can't have tits added. But they, that, that is a very impressive skill to be taught. Um, yeah, that is uh, not the taxpayer dime. Um, yes, um, but yeah. So, uh, but I, in the upcoming sequence, there is an attempt to make uh, make these women seem uh, intelligent and not well, just eye candy. Um, it reminds me of, in, in a nasty way, it reminds me of. Not, it reminds me a little bit of the, like the sexism of someone like Donald Trump, right? Like who actually weirdly, and for someone who is very sexist, like in the Trump, like in uh, in his companies, they he did have a lot of women very high position and in highly pla- high places. It may have been for the wrong reasons, but uh, no, this, this film has like a lot of stuff where like honestly, for the first third of this film, I was like, he's gonna get me too, isn't he? He's gonna do something that's gonna come out. And I am sure in real life, uh, if he had been nowadays, there would have been something he did, which would have, oh, yeah, which would have resulted in this guy. Um, but but um, uh, I believe he's so, dead now. So yeah, so great. You know, <laughs> so he, that's, that's even his ghost. <laughs> so, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, anyway, um, so yes, this is when he meets with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, and uh, in Gust, a kind of a... who he ref- uh, refuses to call Gust, uh, even yeah, there's a T on the end, he calls him Gus. Um, basically, it's it's a, it's a good sequence. Uh, he's in the office. He wanted like someone that kind of. You know, uh, like vice principal level, not vice principal, whatever. Like, wanted someone high up in the agency to come. Uh, Gus comes and said, "Look, we don't. No one comes over at that level unless you subpoena them uh, for obvious reasons. So instead, uh, you're going to be staying with me." Um, they kind of go in. He brings him a bottle of uh, whiskey that is referred to in uh, the Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, I think in a Robert Louis Stevenson poem, I think it's uh, not Gulliver's Travels. I, mean, I can't remember one of them um, in that. And he kind of goes, uh, oh, it's for doubling our budget from five to ten million. And Tom Hanks goes, uh, oh, well, thank you very much. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman goes, well, it's nothing. And he goes, oh, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's very kind. You must have put a lot of thought into it. Go, no, five to ten million is nothing. We're yeah. fighting the Russians. Give us more fucking money. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we then get uh, a little sort of back and forth sequence, sequence because it comes out at this point that um, there is about to be a story to go uh, going into yeah. the papers where... Uh, Tom Hanks is being investigated for having done cocaine. That person we were talking about earlier uh, is being uh, subpoenaed. He is being investigated by uh, none other than Rudy Giuliani. Um, Rudy Giuliani? Yes. Uh, who they don't... That's not That's not what they call him in the film, is it? What's his actual fucking Rudolph. name? Rudolph. Rudolph Giuliani. Rudolph Giuliani. What a fucking dumb name. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, he's being investigated for uh, supposedly having done cocaine. So... Uh, he keeps on kicking out Philip Seymour Hoffman to get uh, yeah. his aides in. And this is where they are depicted as somewhat intelligent because they well, res- he, he sends them away. Sure. He's like, OK, you you draw up the responses. Uh, and yeah. then he gets Philip Seymour Hoffman back, I, has a little further chat with them. I think this may be one of those cases where um, someone is se- you know, someone is sexist and that they want to look at attractive women. But in that, you know, these women are taking advantage of their opportunities uh, and, you know, working hard and they aren't they are smart they are competent at their jobs um and he, he definitely seems to respect someone like the amy uh so of course his his uh aiden this is played by amy adams and he does seem to respect her and not necessarily yeah. uh, yeah, but he doesn't ogle her yes i'm just yeah i'm discussing this on a film level because again all yeah. of these the, the, none of this is factually accurate he did not exclusively no, have sure. women eight so on the yeah, film yeah. level they have this sexist level but then they try to defend it by having the women be intelligent they he sends sure. them away to draw up the statement to the press they come back and have written a very nuanced detailed uh, 
uh, like correct uh, mm. politically correct. Uh, sure. Oh, oh God. Yeah, no. He, he have you, he's open to all investigation. He denies these allegations, etc. It is trying to play this off as oh no, they are actually capable as well. To me, it falls a little bit flat. Um, uh, okay, I disagree, but sure. Um, um, I can understand that. Um, so anyway, they keep going back and forth. Turns out that of course Gust has uh, bugged the bottle of whiskey. So he's yes. been listening to everything. He kind of walks in. Is like you want to make sure that you. Uh, check up about the limo driver, limo driver. who drove you to the airport because uh, they're going to subpoena him. You want to make sure he can assist the same thing. And he's like, how did you hear that? There's a big thick door. And Gus is like, I've been listening to you. There's a bug. They drink some of the whiskey. Uh, Gus says, look, to which Tom Hanks has been asking the question all the way through, what do you need to take down helicopters? And Gus has been going he's come back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No one answering the question. He's like, oh, you want to you know what? And they go, they go, he says, like, okay, fine. We'll go, we'll go meet the CIA's weapons experts, right? They go to a park and he's like, uh, look, there's uh, a guy I, playing for games of chess. I fucking hate this trope. Which one the, I hate this trope. I like the passion. Which one of these four guys do you think, which one of these, which one of the guys do you think is the uh, weapons expert? And Tom Max is about to answer and he goes, you're wrong. <laughs> it's the, it's the young guy. He's the weapons expert. The guy playing four games of chess at once. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I just hate, I, it's, it's, it's a thing that comes up in all, in so many movies where like, oh, Man playing che- four games of chess at once. Oh, look how intelligent! And I'm like, cool. It's impressive that what they can other play films four- have you seen that trope in? I'd, I I cannot name a specific film, but I know that I've seen that trope before. Like the idea of people playing multiple games of chess at once is absolutely something that is used multiple times uh, in in films to be like a a demonstrator of intelligence. Um, okay, I will give you. I will give you to next week to find me to, one okay. other film which which. It has this okay. trope. I, I agree that I think it's pro- it probably has been a thing in like TV shows, but I can't yeah, maybe really t- maybe TV shows, but maybe whatever. TV. So, so fair either enough, way, fair my point is um, just because you can play chess doesn't mean that you are isn't like a proof of intelligence in other realms, but whatever. Sure, like, like it's I, not, I, I, it's yeah. not, it's it's a no, proof no, of I being that, good at chess. It's, it's, it's sure, it's meant to be, but it's meant what it's meant to do in the sense of like like in cultural understanding the idea of like chess is a strategy based game and of course that like war is a strategy based thing is meant to show that like he's working on several different levels he plays the game of chess without actually looking at the board like he says it, as he's talking to Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Hanks uh, the people he's playing with do new moves and he asks them just like verbally what was your move knight to g7 okay you're going to move bishop to l3 right like he has all these things in his head he's not he doesn't actually need to look at what's happening to know uh, his strategy while doing it at once um, he kind of describes to Tom Hanks in great detail what specific weapons they would need in theory to take down or like to arm the Mujahideen and the uh, Afghani people to fight back against the Soviets. But of course, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, they kind of go and he's like, cool, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, pushes Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks says, look, I can get you the money. And he goes, well, how can you get me the money? You're a congressman who, your greatest achievement in five terms has been re-elected four times, right? Like, that's your greatest achievement. And he's like, well, yeah, but as a guy who's done that and has lived in, who kind of operates in the one Congress district in America who wants for nothing, right? Like, all they want are low taxes and, you know, the government to stay relatively out of the way. So I get to be the yes man. To every- I get to say yes to everything. I have a load of IOUs in my back pocket. And he goes, sure, but how are you going to get the money? He goes, well, look, when we pass these things, they get passed blind. People don't know what they're for. So all we need to do is get the, uh, of course, Charlie Wilson sits on two uh, councils. I think one is the special, op- not councils, um, uh, committee. Uh, he sits committees. on but basically the special operations committee, I think, and the defense committee. He yes. just needs to get the chairman to sign on to say, yeah, we'll spend some, we'll agree to this. Uh, he goes to pitch the chairman. Oh no, so first of all, what he does, of course, 
to get the weapons. And importantly, they can't have the weapons come from the US because if that was found out to, by the Russians, of course, Cold War goes from cold to hot, nuclear Armageddon, everyone dies. Um, so they first of all go to uh, Israel. And this is kind of previously mentioned elsewhere in the film, but he kind of says, look, I'm I'm elected by Jews and, uh, earlier in the film. And Julia Roberts goes, there aren't that many Jews in uh, North, like the, the second... In, in, in the second Congressional District of Texas. But as is the case in America, um, he basically gets a lot of his funding from uh, the coasts, from uh, New York, from areas like that. And, large, and because of his historically very pro-Israel uh, stance, he gets a lot of money from Jewish donors. And he's originally not very keen on uh, helping the Afghani people, mainly because he needs that money and he doesn't want to... Uh, you know, anger Israel, who would obviously be upset by the US helping a, at the time a, a Muslim majority country. Um, but now, of course, because he has these connections, they go to Israel. They go, look, Israel, we know you have a large, you have the largest stockpile of um, Soviets' weapons. Uh, you know, to which the guy they're talking to, who I think, is in the Knesset, or if not, is like a big influencer in the Knesset. And they kind of go, you know, look. We need access to these weapons. We can't afford to give them their own stuff, but if we give the uh, if we give us the the Afghani and the Mujahideen um, Soviet weapons like AK forty sevens that kind of thing, um, then they'll be able to fight back. To which the guy goes, "Oh, we don't have those weapons. What are you talking about?" And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, "Here are photos of you like about five miles down the road. Here are declassified photos of a Soviet tank you have in the compound. Large stockpiles of AK forty sevens." And he's like, "What are they going to do with a tank?" And he's like. Nothing. I just wanted to prove that I know you're bullshitting me. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, they get the support of both Israel and Egypt um, yeah. for for and Soviet weapons. Saudi and, yeah. um, it, and then they go the... through Pakistan to get the distribution. And the plan is basically to have it go on like mules through Pakistan sure. um, to take it into Afghanistan so that there's no tracking and it can't be traced back to the United States. So... Point, and they get them, course, Keely, the, the idea is stinger missiles. Like, those are the main things. Yeah, They're the ones that are going to take down sure. the helicopters. So, importantly, uh, basically, it was decided originally they're going to, they're going to, they need to up the budget to about 37 million and whatever they put in, the Saudis going to put into. Yeah. Um, you know, the Saudis are going to match their funding, you know, dollar for dollar. That should be fine. So, he goes to his uh, committee chairman and he called Doc and he's like, or at least Julia Roberts pushes him on this. He goes to the committee chairman and he's like, hey, committee chairman, we need to get, uh, here's what we got to do. Da, 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 da. The committee chairman's like, oh, we don't want to help Muslims. And he's like, look, it's the Soviets. Like, do you think it is okay that we are letting other people die fighting our enemies? Uh, and it's importantly, it has been mentioned all the way, and by Julia Roberts and a few other people, that like, the CIA has funded covert operations in multiple, like in Latin yeah, America, in, in Nicaragua, Nicaragua yeah. places like that bunch of uh, like a lot of places the fact that they're not helping in uh, afghanistan at this point is largely because of you know and anti uh, islamophobic uh, preferences and also i think partly to maintain relations with israel at that point it's kind of it, it's a, a bit like today america doesn't like helping muslims yeah um, so they take him out to the same camp that tom hanks uh visited sure. uh the uh to be like look let's mm. let's take you to the front lines let's and julia roberts is very clear clearly like look he's a religious man i sure. know him i can talk to him i can convince him to do this she yeah. does that she convinces him to go and then when there uses his sure. uh religion and like is like i look yeah. i know how to speak to this sort of person i'm gonna make him feel like a hero and so yeah. they're like all they're going 
Oh, come on, my guy. Look, they, they, they've been waiting for you. They, they, mm. they've been praying for you. They, oh, they, they, yeah. they, they want you. There's also a, a scene at some point. I don't know whether mm. it's around here or a little bit later where sure. Tom Hanks is like, yo, tone down the religious aspect. And, I think it's uh, a, yeah, it's a little bit later. Basically, <laughs> it's uh, in a like America toasts President Zio, Prime Minister Zio. Um, sorry, apologies that I can't remember which one. Um, she goes up. She's, she kind of starts the opening line of uh, President. President, by the way. Zia President, so you don't have to make that mistake again. Sure, it's President Zia. Uh, to be fair, it's not a mistake. I've just been saying both each time. Yes, uh, but uh, <laughs> yes, and it's been uh, adding to our runtime, Alexander. That is true. That is true. It, yeah, adding a second each time. Uh, she kind of starts by saying President Zia didn't murder uh, Bhutan. <laughs> Uh, sorry. Uh, which is and and Tom Hanks kind of chokes on his wine. Yes, like, yes. So, um, but so Keely, she does use her a lot of her. She, she is a very strongly sure. Christian person. She uses a lot of that to her benefit. But Tom Hanks also wants to turn sure. it down. Well, but yeah, they and, get and this guy. It's it's she views this as a holy war, right? Like she yes. views this as uh, you know they they need to support the Mujahideen for a bunch of reasons, but also to prevent the Soviets. Um. So they get, they get, there's a little scene, I think just before, but it, it doesn't matter where it comes, where uh, they're in a bar um, about to go off to Afghanistan again, and Afghanistan, Pakistan again, and uh, all kind of Charlie Wilson's, um, you know, staffers are there. He's there with uh, Julia Roberts and uh, Dustin Hoffman. They get a call coming in a great scene. <laughs> they get a call coming in when, um, and he kind of comes in and he's like, I'm off, I'm off the hook. It's brilliant. I- I'm fine. Okay, the, the cocaine case is dealt with. Uh, and they're like, oh, they, they, they uh, cause the, apparently they subpoenaed the limo driver, uh, but the limo driver said that he didn't see anything. So really Giuliani subpoenaed all the limo drivers, uh, didn't get anything. So uh, they subpoenaed like, the dickhead who Crystal. was trying to get the money, uh, his like girlfriend or, or female. I, I think, I think it was, sure. It's Crystal. Think, it is Crystal. It's, but cri- I'm, it's Crystal. I don't I think, know her relationship I think he came with Crystal. I, I believe it's, I believe Tom Hanks was hooking up with Crystal and Crystal was like, you should come meet this guy. Ah, um, yes, yes, yes. Crystal yes. is the one Crystal, that introduced them. Yes, Crystal then claims that she didn't see him do any cocaine on that night. She did see him do cocaine in the Cayman Islands, but because the Cayman Islands is not America, he's off scot-free. They can't yes. prosecute him for um, anything, which is So, hilarious. yes, he, he gets out of the uh, the yeah. um, investigation there. And sure. the uh, because obviously that would have uh, very much slowed down the ability to get um, funding if he had this. Well, he would have been arrested. Uh, yeah. Yes. He would have been, like, yeah, 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 it would have really slowed it down. <laughs> the, the, the fear was, they, it's interesting, they talk about it earlier on where they're like, we're going to do, because of the fact that Charlie Wilson is be under investigation, that will draw attention away from the fact that we're also trying to raise a crap ton of money to give to, to help yeah. fund the fight against the Soviets. But they, so it's, it, uh, they've yeah. been using it as a cover. They get off the um, investigation and then they yeah. get the the fund, the additional funding. I think sure. at this point, as you say, it goes from maybe 10 to million. 30 to 40 million or something like that. Sure. Uh, and so they get this thing of missiles and we get a clip of some Mujahideen fighters blowing up uh, Soviet helicopters sure. uh, in in a very odd scene where like the Soviet helicopter, uh, Soviet pilots are like having weird misogynistic, um, but very mundane conversations yeah. about like, oh, my wife back home. I, I should say they are speaking in Russian oh God, uh, yeah. with, with subtitles. Uh, I am just mm. choosing to do a Russian accent, apparently, uh, which I'm going to stop. Um, but yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, my wife back home. She's like, what sure. does monogamy mean? Like, yes. And shit like that. Yeah. Um, As they mow down innocent uh, Afghani yes. people. Uh, and so they um, are then uh, successfully blown up by uh, these Stinger missiles. And sure. obviously this is seen as a great success. After sure. having seen that success, they we then sort of catapult towards the end of the film, yeah. where it sort it of goes of, quite it, quick pace. Sure, here, kind it kind of, of cuts across. Yeah, it, it cuts across two things. 
Uh, one of which is uh, across the summer of 1987. I can't remember the exact date. Um, they, you know, the, the Afghani people are successfully fighting the uh, Russians, are taking down enough Russian helicopters, enough Russian tanks, enough enough Russian fixed wing aircraft to um, drive them back. Simultaneously, uh, as they're, you know, the Americans are realizing they need more and more money into this operation. Uh, they're, they're pumping more into it. Gets up to eventually the Americans investing five hundred million, million dollars into it, uh, which uh, with is the Saudis, by the Saudis up to a billion, and then yeah, it gets matched to a billion. Um, and eventually, uh, oh, uh, also simultaneously within this, there are a couple, just a couple scenes, not very long. Um, Tom Hanks, uh, Charlie Wilson gets reelected, uh, which is great, but I believe the chairman of the committee he's on doesn't get reelected, so they need to kind of cash in a few checks with some other people we also learned that julia roberts is married uh, so they've been having this affair i think she has a late night conversation with tom hanks and uh, we cut to see like a wider bed where there is another man in the bed right like i think implied to be her husband um so the, that's happening in the background uh eventually though uh it turns out the afghani people uh beat the soviets in the end as the kind of um Newsreel they show uh, claims like this is the first country ever to beat the Soviets in a war. Yeah. Um, uh, and I- uh, so we we well no we we very much lied to our dear listeners about how this movie yeah. opens. Uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, because yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get onto that because it, this movie sure. is bookended yeah. by the same uh, scene. So uh, everyone is celebrating that um, uh, the Soviet Union has um, uh, been has, has been defeated. Um, and there's a big celebration going on. And at this party, Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman pulls Tom Hanks aside uh, yeah. and is basically goes to him like, uh, what, what, what the fuck are you doing? Why, why, why are you celebrating? Um, and he's like, oh, well, well, it's great, isn't it? And he says, well, the, something to, akin to uh, it's not done. And he says something like, I'm about to bring yeah. you a report all about some yeah. crazy shit that's happening. And then he tells a... Um, uh anecdote about anecdote about a zen master zen master so uh, basically the anecdote goes um you know there was a boy in a village who uh got a horse and people said oh isn't this uh great or something and the zen master goes we'll see and the boy falls off the horse and uh breaks his leg and people go wasn't well, this terrible and the zen master goes we'll see and then there's a war and all the boys who can go uh, go off to war, except for the boy who broke his leg. And then goes, well, isn't this great? And the Zen master says, we'll see. And uh, Tom Hanks kind of finishes the last bit. And, uh, you know, he, Philip Sigmund Hoffman is, is, you know, basically talks about the fact that, like, effectively what they've done is cleared out Afghanistan for the Soviets, but they've armed it to the teeth and, like, a load of right-wing fundamentalists have moved into the area, into what is now, you know, very... Uh, you know, chaotic uh, landscape in a changed country. Uh, and that yes. if they don't fund schools, if they don't fund um, basically the reconstruction of Afghanistan, like something's going to happen. And there's a very long pause on Tom Hanks' face. He kind, of, he kind of sits, he takes it in. We hear a plane in the background. And Tom Hanks goes, you know, look, I'll, I'll, look, I'm going to try and do what I can, right? Like, I'll try and keep funding it, but you got you got to take the wins when we can take the wins. And uh Philip Seymour Hoffman goes, we'll see. Yeah. Um, it, cu- it cuts to later in the night. Uh, Tom Hanks is, um, you know, looking off into the distance. He looks really troubled. He's drunk. He looks sick. Uh, he's staying up at night, I think, thinking about this. Yes. And so he we does get- end up going to um, 
another funding meeting. We have previously sure. seen this funding meeting filled with people, loads of people there. Yeah. And there's even jokes where, where half, this yeah. is the fu- the final funding funding meeting where they ask for 500 million. And there's a little joke of, remind me what this started at. Five yeah. million dollars. Oh, sure. oh, look at us spending so much money. That's sort of something we sort of brushed over. But sure. this idea of the very quick, rapidly, more and more money, yeah. more and more money, spending loads of money and sure. everyone loving to do it because it's all going well. And yeah. then we cut to this and it's there's like three people in three the room and it's like, we need one million dollars yeah. to build all the schools in Afghanistan. And they're like, As they, nah, fuck off. But they're like, why have we done that? We won. To which Tom Hanks is like, at the moment, over 50% of the population of Afghanistan is under 14. And if we don't rebuild the school system, they're going to think like, you know, effectively, we're going to lose control of this country. To which they're like, we don't care. That's not our responsibility. Uh, you know, why should we care? We beat the Soviets. We help them. To which, as Tom Hanks points out, well, A, the, the kids don't know that because it was a covert operation. That's and they're the going to think that we, they're going to think that we ignored them. Um, and this kind of uh, in their time of need, and if we don't rebuild it, and we don't rebuild the schools, they're going to get radicalized. And the guys like we don't care. Um, and um, so we cut it, to the end scene, which scene, is yeah. the which is the beginning scene uh, where he was being given um, yeah the uh, oh what what was it basically it was some award it's, which it's, is it's not it's not the like it's not the silver star or something, but it's basically he's given I think he's the first civilian to ever receive the highest honor which can be given to a CIA operative. Yeah. Um, and so in the first, it, we, at the beginning of the film, we're seeing this as this big celebratory sure. um, occasion. We now obviously see it. This is post uh, Charlie Wilson learning that, you know, he's not going to get the support he needs to rebuild Afghanistan. And it is very much um, recontextualized. Sure. Um, and we get uh, a fade to black and a quote by Charlie Wilson, which is something uh, to the effect of... Um, you know, this was the greatest operation, uh, military oper- yeah. covert military operation in uh, American history, but we fucked the end game, uh, yeah. Charlie Wilson. Um, yeah. And that's the end. Uh, speaking sure. of the end, before we discuss this film, this was not the yeah. original uh, ending no. in the script. Uh, no. You obviously mentioned the uh, plane flying over <clears throat> in that final conversation, a yeah. very clear allusion to 9 11. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the uh, gap that was left in Afghanistan was yeah. filled by uh, Al uh, by the Taliban and, uh, the and the Taliban and, and, and in turn yes uh, and in turn Al Qaeda and Osama bin well, Laden and, and the, the people um, they worked with in, in Saudi like I believe Osama bin Laden uh, what was other connected I can't remember, had connections to the Saudi royal family and I believe like supposedly was part of these kind of Saudi coalition, I think, yes. which uh, helped in the Afghan war. Uh, so the original ending uh, in the script for this yeah. uh, was going to be a hard cut to 9-11. Um, yeah. And uh, literally footage of, uh, of the planes flying into uh, the towers. But sure. uh, Tom Hanks himself felt it was uh, too <clears throat> political uh, and had it removed. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, are you saying a film about the CIA's largest ever operation is too political? Are yeah, you saying a movie God, God. which is literally set in Congress, which is about Afghanistan, which at the time America was fighting a war in and would still be fighting a war in to this day, is too political? What the fuck, Tom? So, Hanks? All right, I've got so, some feelings about this. Yeah, like, I do, I don't know. When I learned, like, if you take that away from it, I still think the message of it is very overtly clear to me to me the message of it is very clear like yes this was treated as a success at the time but what were the consequences like in all of that oh 
all of that conversation between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Hanks, to me, that is so like that is a very clear allusion to what we then know happened. It's not as direct and in your face, but I I still think the message of I, it to me is very clear. It's not that right. Like I don't I don't need to end on the towers. I actually think the the shot where like you hear the plane in the background. I think it's I think it's perfect. I think, but I will say I just think that I aggressively think that the movie's last two scenes, even just the last scene, but like really the last two scenes like, should not be in that film by any stretch of imagination. Like, I know you said, like, there's ambiguity in the last shot. I really don't think there is in that, like, we kind of pass over, like, I think there's a little bit. We see Tom Hanks' face. Tom Hanks looks slightly, slightly conflicted as he's receiving this award. But we pass over, we pass looking over Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's smiling at Tom Hanks. We pass over Julia Roberts, who's smiling at Tom Hanks. The music in the background swells as Charlie, like, you know, as the music in the background is a little too happy about the fact Charlie Wilson is receiving this award. And although there's a little bit of ambiguity in Tom Hanks' face, we have two perfect final shots, right? Had it just been Philip Seymour Hoffman walks away and Charlie Wilson is left on the um, balcony, great ending. Had it just been Charlie Wilson is sitting in his room alone, staring out there, and like thinking about what he has done and what is yet to come, that would have been a perfect ending. I mean, like, had it even just been like he was at the meeting trying to get money and he's like, we just need a million dollars. And they're like, no, that would have been an okay ending. But ending on him receiving an award and like, even though it's slightly conflicted with this kind of like, kind of heroic end of a movie, we're trying to make this not political, he did a good thing kind of music, I think like robs the film of a lot of its impacts. I think like had it, I think for a guy, considering this is directed by Mike Nichols, the guy who directed The Graduate, a film with probably the best ending of any film ever, which is ambiguously Elaine and um, The Graduate, with Philip Seymour Hoffman, sitting on this bus, staring out at the audience, terrified by their future, uncertain as what is to come. Like, and they just linger on it. They just let you think about what they're thinking because it lets characters think. Instead, it takes all that away. It takes away... It tries to kind of average out the horror... Because this like, the horror of 9-11, the horror of the war in Afghanistan to come, like, which wouldn't exist, which wouldn't happen if not for this, if not for the America's involvement, but complete disinterest in rebuilding the state of Af- Afghanistan. I think it is... I've been thinking about this all night. It really upset me yesterday, and I genuinely think the ending is, like, not repugnant, but, like, pathetic. I, I find it a genuinely pathetic ending. I just really a, a, didn't... With a film with a perfect ending in there. I really didn't read... The, but So, for me, having seen the beginning, we already know at the beginning that he's going to get that award. So, to me, having that then at the end... I, I would agree, if we didn't have that award, showing that award at the beginning then having that at the end would be really but, bad but even, and weird. So sure, but, to me, but, having that again at the end recontextualizes what we saw at the beginning of like, oh, t- like maybe this is just my own person, but like I was watching that ending and just going, oh, wow, he shouldn't have won that award. That was what I felt like I was very clearly being I, led to believe. Sure. I, I just I just think that like either the shot of him staring out at night should have been moved to the end in which case, that is our, the last thing we see is not him standing in front of the American flag with like heroic, semi-heroic music swelling in the background. It is him alone thinking about what he's done. And like, for longer, rather than like all of his friends and people he's worked with smiling at him because he's winning the award. And I, I agree, it's a slight, it is a recontextualization of it. But I think it is like, it is, it is I think, it, I'm using too strong words here. I think it is, again pathetic in the sense of it is a attempt to 
both to 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 recontextualize it's, it's, it, they're trying to have your cake and eat it too is basically what i'm saying right like they're trying to be like charlie wilson is thinking about what he's doing while also being like charlie wilson got an award and every like all the people in his life are happy that he got an award and he should have got the award because he helped people to some extent see i mm, i like but clearly we just had very different and and maybe it's because, sure yeah, it's, and like, yeah. additionally it may well be because i'd spent the last half an hour sure. just desperately thinking Oh Jesus Christ! Please tell me they're going to criticize this. Like when the money was yeah, building yes, up, I was like, sure. Geez, I was so des." And so when that ending came, I was like, "Oh, thank God! Yes, they're criticizing it." And so to me, that ending—I don't know—I just I very distinctly wasn't seeing it as a celebration because I'd already seen. I was seeing it as rather than a this celebration is good and happy. It was quite literally showing us to to tell us that this celebration was fake and undeserved, even I, though, because of what we've already seen. I agree sure, potentially that the, the order could have been flipped, but I sure. still think showing it again isn't saying that he deserved I, the award. I, I just think, even if it is a criticism, I think there are two shots beforehand which are much better critiques of that. Like, I think I think the, the shot with, like, you know, the, the towers go over his head. Like, he not in the towers, you hear the plane, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think that is a very powerful moment. Like, it, and I, I think it is undeniably a powerful moment, right? Like, it's in a film which is largely a comedy in which, like, hey, women, broads, like, people make, you know, he calls them jailbait at times, sluts, all this kind of stuff. Like, Charlie Wilson is fun. Charlie Wilson does drugs. He's not your daddy's congressman. He's, like, a <laughs> cool congressman from Texas who's a Democrat. He's the best of both worlds all the way through. And, like, it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. It's a comedy for a large part of it. And it kind of, you know, at a time it, it, it even got, uh, it got nominated for, it got both uh, presented sure. and nominated in the Golden Globes for best comedy, not for best picture. It's, it, it strikes me as if you ended on those last two shots, the film is making a political, and like, it's making a political statement and a much more aggressive political statement that like, you do not get to 9-11 without this. And you yeah. do not get to 9-11 without a, like, without the US's, in the Cold War's pathetic, tendency to fund like militias to fund right-wing uh, nut jobs to fund people who fight the communists at any cost and then just to abandon those people that after like after the marshall plan the u.s had very little interest in building states back up again even so they they stood up against the soviets but that's all they stood for was fighting the soviets and killing the soviets and they talk all the way through this film about killing soviets and they do not support building states, protecting people. They don't really care about, like, you know, all these uh, all these women getting raped and children getting done in landmines and stuff. They don't want to fund hospitals for the children in landmines. And I think there are two shots in this, like, two shots before the end that are a really aggressively strong way to end a comedy to really give you a gut punch. And even if the last shot is meant to be ambiguous, and I can, I can completely understand, and I can completely get why you think that, I just think it is a... It is... It is like smacking someone in the head twice. They're like, suck, you suck a punch in the face and you suck a punch in the balls. And then at the end, you kind of go in the stomach. Like, and, and not even a <laughs> um, hard punch. You uh, kind of sorry, you for, run out of energy. For, and you for listeners uh, on the Zoom call, uh, Al very, uh, <laughs> very gently pushed his, his fist ever so slightly yes. towards the camera. And I, I can completely appreciate why. I, uh, this is not me being angry at all. Like, I can appreciate why you feel that it's ambiguous. I just feel like there are two really strong. There's two really strong punches, and then it's a, it whimpers out. It's it's Tom, and like I, I'm being too harsh on Tom Hanks here, but like I mean, it was his a, decision. It was very expressly well, his. Sure. Like he like, he was the one that thought that the uh, original ending in the script of cutting to was too, to the nine eleven tax was too strong, and it was him that changed it. And I think like to this day, there is too like 
I think I'm angry about this. I think it's maybe it was different in 2007 than it is in like 2020 when like America is still at war in Afghanistan, right? Like it is a it is a war that has happened now for like it is the longest war America has ever been in. I believe I think it's longer than Vietnam now. Like there are people serving in Afghanistan who weren't alive when it started, and I think because I think maybe that's why I'm more like I wish there was more American art which was willing to criticize politicians and criticize people who are more than happy to fund wars but aren't happy to fund like reconstruction and peace. Like it's um there's there's a line by I think it was Petraeus, I can't remember, but an American general which basically says you need to fund the State Department so they can build schools and they can build roads and they can build hospitals. Because if you don't, you're gonna have to fund me, a general, more so I can buy more bullets. That if you want peace, you need to invest in peace. And if you want war, then you need to like if all you want to do is kill people, then cool, sink more money into guns and bullets. And if all you want to do is build peace, you need to put money in it. And like it it disappoints me that like if this was an essay that it's it you know it, it tells the history of this event da, 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 da. it comes in with a hot critique and then it comes in for this conclusion and it goes there was stuff the US did okay and it's the stuff the US could have done better and like and like and because the US could have done some stuff better like ultimately like there were there were consequences which were unforeseen which basically led to the radicalization of other people and it wars eternal wars to come and i just feel like that conclusion for me is not just doesn't present a strong argument it is the equivalent of having like when you're writing your essay in university or wherever you're you're doing a phd and you use a lot of modifier words to rather than say you know i believe that you know uh the america did x you're saying something that america did x or america just did x or you're using these modified words to reduce the impact of the thing and like i don't i do not know why i feel so strongly about this and i can complete i can't 100 get what you're saying but for me i i find it the day after i watched it last night like and i was angry at the time and this morning i've, and I've had like three cups of coffee which is probably <laughs> why i'm this jazz but um you know i just find it like but that pathetic and I, I i i dislike the last shot so we are of course hank thank the show that chronologically <laughs> reviews tom hanks's entire ndb not the show that chronologically reviews america's geopolitical failings so for anyone who hasn't listened to our podcast before we review these films on three categories which uh now now that we've gone so in-depth in that and i have a so, board game yeah. i want to play uh, sorry, <laughs> we're, we're gonna get yeah, through like this a bit quicker. um so uh, we rate it on three categories um <laughs> i have a feeling i know where some of these numbers are going um we show uh, where the film the film out of five tom hanks performance out of five and the tom hanks dick meter how much of a dick was tom hanks's character in this film Ooh. um uh and then we decide whether it goes down a hanks paint the collection of tv shows and movies we're going to show to the aliens um to move our systems to join the United States of Space, which is sounding less and less uh, fun after your rant. Um, as the United yeah, States of Space also been uh, hosting up proxy wars all across the galaxy. <laughs> is that is that a mythos we're going to add to this? Um, anyway, um, so uh, ignoring the ending, which obviously you had much more vehement feelings about uh, than sure. I did. Um, I... I am an unashamed lover of Aaron Sorkin's writing. I, I, so the Social Network is one of my favorite films of all time. I, yep. I, 
just really, really hate how much I love the newsroom, even though even though awesome. that is that is this to a fucking millionth degree of like yeah, yeah. Amer- like retroactive American like patriotism saying they're amazing, but also writing Not. with like 2020 vision and saying that we're better than the people who existed then because Jamie, I can. Yep, that's true. The newsroom does begin with an entire giant monologue about how much America sucks. So yes. I, agree, I, I agree, the rest of the show goes on to disprove that, but it does begin with a like 10 minute monologue about why America sucks. But it also <laughs> says that America used to be great, which I also disagree with. <laughs> like, like the newsroom opens by saying America's, America's terrible now in 2007, whenever, whenever it started. But you know, remember when we did proxy wars in the Cold War? That was when we were great. Um, whoa, whoa, anyway. Whoa. T- to be fair, I love that we're getting into the newsroom. I feel that... <laughs> The point in the newsroom wasn't even wasn't even like the like the eighties, the seventies, but all that stuff goes crazy in cartoon respiration afterwards. I think it was meant. I think the point is meant to be is like FDR era. Yeah. So it's reconstructing Europe and the New Deal, and so, so like when we were putting money into schools, and when we put money into healthcare, and, we were, and when we were rebuilding Europe, which I think is apart from the obvious thing, oh, America was hugely racist during this era. I, I think you could argue is to some extent like those are like some of America's biggest achievements was like rebuilding Europe after the war. Like you wouldn't have France, you wouldn't have Germany, all that kind of stuff in the way you have now, if not for America, if not for the Marshall Plan, America's involvement in rebuilding the continent. But Alexander, as we've clearly established, I don't know when anything happened. Um, So, um, uh, yeah, I I really like the dialogue in this film. I think this film really kicks into gear around 40 minutes in when Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Hanks meet each other. Whenever both of those two are on screen, I fucking love it. Whenever Philip Seymour Hoffman is on screen, I fucking adore it. He is phenomenal in this film. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in everything, but he is so good. I would recommend anyone watch this film exclusively for Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance. There is such a just... Like, there's such an incredible amount of emotion he can get into a character which Mm. he has decided barely ever changes his tone. That's what's amazing about this character. It's. I'm sure we're pretty much on the same page. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was, I think, arguably not even that. Like, sure, arguably, like people may throw other names down doing this, but like, probably the greatest actor of his generation. Like, he he's a talent who is like very missed. And whereas someone like a Day Lewis gives like these big performances, where you know, I, I drink a milkshake, I drink it up, like in the same year, Philip Seymour Hoffman gives like portrays human beings in like in a in such a real way with such a like insight to human and you know humanity it is a it is an eternal loss that like about his death like he he is was such a talent like i I agree and he's fantastic Um, so yeah yeah what what watch this film for his performance alone and maybe turn it off 30 seconds from the end um yeah oh yeah um, after after a shot of tom hanks looking at looking at you terrified and drunk cut just turn it off look we've now got two two advices on two films about tom hanks you should change turn it off when he cries in uh in charlie wilson's war and turn it off when the whale turns up in castaway <laughs> there you go whoa, whoa, whoa. not it's, when the whale also, when the ship when the ship turns yes, up in castaway. after also in um oh god road to perdition after uh the sun finds uh tom hanks having been gunned down turn off then right? yes um if you're watching <laughs> Just, just, there's a lot, if, a lot of specific things time, about like how to 
If we're watching every time we say goodbye, turn it on 10 seconds after it starts. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we I've got a I bought a new board game today and I want to play it. I know, so I'm going to give this uh, 3.5. Uh, I bought uh, the Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes board game. I'll talk about it next week. Um, uh, I'm going to give this a 3.5. Um, I, th- I probably was going to give this a 4. I think you've definitely mm. knocked it down. I agree that the, the ending is not as strong as it could have been, although I still see criticism in the ending. Um, uh, but I, I think the the performances of Tom Hanks and Philip Seymour Hoffman and the dialogue between them and the dialogue throughout the film, which is a very Sorkin-esque wit, which I fully get is not for everyone. Some people find it absolutely sure. insufferable, but I love it. And I'm going to give it a 3.5. Uh, I'm going to give it a 5. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm stop talking. I've taken my headphones out. What did you say? Um, I'm going to give it a 5. Um... <laughs> I say this to say, like, the ending knocked it down from a six for me. Um, oh, my I really God. Like, I, re- I fucking I really hate like you. I fucking hate you. Uh, oh, my God. I was, I was, I've only given it a 3.5 because I thought you'd be really angry if I gave it more. I really like no, this film. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 4.5. There you go. Great. Like, no, I, look, I, I'm angry at this ending. And I think it's, like, again, coming from Mike Nichols, the director, the man who directed Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the movie, like, Taylor and um, Burton. And, you know, I, I think an incredible, like a really, really talented director, you know, very much a, a, a generational talent, you know. Um, it is a smart, mature, funny, you know, it, it's it's both not afraid to point out the sec- the sexist tendencies of the 80s, but also to kind of find a, a campy fun in it. Um, nonetheless, it, it, it it's a film which does criticise America, even if, like, it whistles out at the ending because Tom Hanks, as much as I love him, didn't want to criticize america that much six years after that like i as much as i'm annoyed at, at the fact that it was depoliticized like i think it is very different for me to sit here in 2020 and criticize tom hanks's decision than it is for tom hanks when he's probably reading the script in 2005 2006 four years after four or five years after 9 11 yeah say, to, to, to say i think this is too political yeah well, i'm like, not even too political but like I don't want my film to end on footage of 9-11. I think that yeah. is a perfectly reasonable thing to say yes. four I, years after 9-11. I just think, like, there's... I, th- I think there's someone who's talking about, like, the kind of... The power of cinema. There's a, a book, and I'm sure it's quoted somewhere on Wikipedia, which, I'm, which is where I probably read it, where, like, they talk about the fact that this could have been this generation's... Uh, uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange Love. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Strange Love. Um, and, like, I agree with that. Like, I think this film could have been this really powerful satire... And instead, it's a really fun movie with like some like muddled critiques. Yeah. Um, and despite that, I think it's really like again, like I said, it's a really fun film. It it correctly articulate, and you will get into this in a second with talking about Tom Hanks' performance. I feel that it correctly articulates the the, the way in which a, a congressman who is known to do a bunch of drugs to sleep with everyone and all that kind of stuff, a Democrat in Texas, we'll get different at the time, but could get, uh, could be a self-described liberal in Texas and get reelected. And that's partly because the man is very charming. And like, it, it for me, the film, you know, conveys that charm. It is a film about the, uh, you know, how an unlikely bunch of uh, people, a group of people who should never work together, whether it be a hard right-wing, ultra-Orthodox, conservative, uh, Julia Roberts, uh, whether it be a uh, you know this kind of congressman who never really does anything, who kind of is just a yes man, whether it's Hoffman, a son of an immigrant who um, you know has no charisma, Israel, uh, Pakistan, Egypt, uh, Saudi Arabia, all come together to fight the Soviets is a is a fun romp, 
And, you know, politically, I may disagree with the ending, but you can't deny that it's good. And also, we keenly have to say that this film is an hour and 40 minutes, which is amazing. And you know what, Alexander? I, I didn't do your test, yeah. but your test yes. of checking... When did you check your phone? How long was left? Sure. If there was 30 minutes left, it's the per- perfect length. There was exactly 30 minutes left when I checked the time yeah. left on this film. Yeah. Um, I even argue that there could maybe have been a little bit more to this film. Sure. I would have liked to see a little bit more of the investigation into with Rudy Giuliani. Like, sure. all of that sort of resolves off screen. We just ha- yeah. we get sort of a, a scene that says it's happening and then a scene that says it's over. Uh, so yeah. that could have been more instantly... Uh, portrayed anyway uh tom hanks performance uh i think he is good in this having read that they particularly toned down Mm. charlie wilson i think he definitely could have been more um uh sort of delved more into that what they describe as sort of flamboyant nature there was an interview with uh on npr with uh one of his fellow congressmen and just said like he is just who'd seen the movie and was just like yeah he was a way bigger personality than um than his uh documented in this uh and i you you disagree i personally i i i, I get that this is probably my tom sure. hanks bias. i've seen tom hanks in so many things i just don't see him as, as a convincing ladies oh, man no. in this film um but having said that i still really like him uh but i also think sure. he's outacted by philip seymour hoffman i'll give him a four yeah interesting i i as a um i think a kind of piece in uh what sort of becomes the Tom Hanks... Uh, Tom Hanks goes to Washington kind of style movies. Uh, off the top of my head, I kind of think of this. I kind of think of uh, Bridge of Spies as, you know, Tom Hanks playing people involved in polit- you know, the Cold War. Yeah. Uh, almost. Um, I think... Uh, no, I just think overall... Um, I like his performance. I do think it's charismatic. I, 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 I think he really works in this film. And I, I think I think that's probably why they toned it down is to, to, to find, fit somewhere in with... The upper edge of Hanks's limits. I don't yeah. think it's a film like um, Road to Perdition, which very much plays outside of his casting. Yeah, or, um, or like Lady Killers or some shit like that. Yes, um, which which were like, well, even Lady even Lady Killers to some extent is like, it's it's overtly silly. It's, it's it's silly. So like in that end, it fits a little bit into early Hanks's like yeah. uh, whatever his his range is. Whereas Road to Perdition is like. I think he does the role, but it's way out of his normal casting. Yeah. This is the upper edge of that casting. It, it's yeah, absolutely. Tom Hanks as a rom-com hero, which we kind of saw in the 80s, ironically. And it's kind of taking that and it's kind of putting a little bit of sleaze on there. And it's and it's saying, but he's still charming. Yeah. And I think, which I like. So I don't think it's his best performance ever, but I think it's like a good four. Like, I like it. I think he's fun in it. And I, I like seeing Tom Hanks do different roles. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I know I've talked about Captain Phillips way too much and I'm bigging you too much up on it, but I'm going to be <laughs> so interested. To, I'm going to be very interested to see how you feel about that film because it's definitely not a uh, traditional Hank role, except in the sense of like he did Philadelphia and Castaway. So it's more like those ones than other ones. Yeah. Um, and the Tom Hanks dick me to how much of a dick is Tom Hanks' character in this film? An interesting one. You could arguably yeah. say that the character is always trying to do what he believes is best. Sure. Obviously the consequences of his actions very 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 bad but even when he's sure made aware of those consequences by philip c hoffman he does yeah. still try and acquire yes. that funding so yeah. but but there there is a level of 
should he have had the foresight beforehand sure. and also he's a womanizer and and like yeah. and does not that it's like super bad to do a lot of drugs but you know maybe if you're in a position of power you shouldn't be uh you know off in vegas doing cocaine uh every mm. other weekend so it's a tough one what, what do you yeah. think what are you gonna give him i here's my thing i think in terms of like the the uh, i know we often talk about consequences and stuff like that like i think pushing the the Soviet Union out of Afghanistan, I think is the right thing to do, right? Like the Soviet Union was not a good place. The Soviet Union uh, obviously had mass amounts of purges, committed acts of genocide, like, you know, was, was committing uh, war crimes horrifically throughout uh, its involvement in Afghanistan. I I, I think the acts of funding the Mujahideen to push out um, the, to push out uh, the Soviet Union is fine. Um, I think the, and to be fair, he tries to he tries to avoid the abandonment of Afghanistan, right? Like he wants to make sure, like the he, what he cares about, and the only thing he really cares all the way through is not the geopolitics, really. It's the fact that there are like children having their arms blown off, and yeah. there are women getting like massacred. And so he tries to um, fix that as much as he can, and, and he continues to try and fix that to, to the end of the film. He, he's unsatisfied because of his failure to be able to fix those things, and I, I understand that. I think that's great. Um, uh, I, 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 the dickishness comes from my constant feeling all the way through this film that if he was alive today, this man would probably have done some really dodgy shit. Um, uh, and, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. Like, it makes... The, the things in this film make me uncomfortable is him being like, jailbait come in when he's referring to his staffers. Yeah. And again... Uh, which, which, to be fair, I think is the movie trying to be like the eighties were sexist. They trying to yeah. fun like it, it's meant to be funny, but it's also meant to be like sexism, um, and those things make me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> as it turns out, uh, men behaving badly uh, cuts cuts too close to the bone, uh, <laughs> and therefore, uh, yes, no, it makes me uncomfortable. So unfortunately, we're going to have to. But but importantly, it doesn't torture anyone, so we're going to have to give them a four. Okay. Um... I, oh, oh, I, I'm going to give him a 3.5. I, sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I think he, he, yeah, he always genuinely feels like he's doing the right thing, sure. but he also is quite severely a dick. Um, yeah. And is this going in your Hanks bank? Here's the thing. I, as much, as much as I have very strong, very, very strong feelings about the ending, clearly, I didn't realize how strong those feelings were. Um, I, I put much worse films in my Hanks bank and I genuinely, I 100% think, I know we said this before, but if you have a sec this weekend and you want you want something a bit light, something a bit historical, something a bit fun, which, despite being about a conflict in which many people's lives were taken and ultimately led to 9-11 um, and the invasion of Afghanistan and a forever war which will never end. Uh, yeah, you should go see this film. Like, yes, go to my Hanks bank. I think, I think, I think it would tell the aliens a little bit about our history uh and sexism so you know <laughs> oh don't worry there's lots of films in the 80s we could show them that would teach them about sexism um yeah no i agree i think this is going to my hanks bank uh if, if nothing else as you said it's just an enjoyable film it's well acted well written um yeah yeah i i i what really, a cast oh what, what a cast. cast really enjoyed it like, um and and this is uh, like 2007, I didn't, but like, I didn't think Amy Adams was landing, like, leading roles in 2007. Um, she's, uh, been around, she's been around for a lot. My friend. Yeah, no, Let me it, tell you about a little movie called Enchanted, which I think yeah, comes out Yeah, it comes, comes out around the same time. Um, yeah. I just, it, like, she still seems like someone who's really quite recent on the, on the scene, but no, she's been around for a really long time. Um, sure. 
This but, isn't yeah. even her first Hanks Bank appearance. Uh, no, she course, was in... Um, Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can, yes. But obviously in a much smaller role. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, so obviously we don't have to uh, say anything that saves humanity this week because nope, we are deciding that uh, Charlie Wilson's War saves humanity this week, which is very useful for me because oh, after yeah. last week where post-record I made the joke yeah. that, oh, we recorded for almost two hours because we had a third person. It's weird. When you add a third person, <laughs> it increases the runtime significantly. Yeah. But no, it turns out we can fucking go for an hour and 50 yeah. minutes as well. About, about a, as, a, a podcast I was genuinely 100% was going to be like an hour long <laughs> what i find very funny is, is clearly it's two things clearly it's uh one uh does the does does the movie inspire some kind of political feeling in how in which case <laughs> uh settle in al's gonna rant uh and uh two i think as we go longer and longer for having seen each other in person i just like spending time with you on the phone oh that's sweet but i also think it is actively <laughs> offensive that we've spoken for as much time about the simpsons movie longer as we did film. about charlie wilson's war we've <laughs> also we've also spoken longer than the movie yes oh yeah no we are we are now 10 minutes longer than the movie itself it's sure. fucking ridiculous this please someone end this podcast please someone find your way into our fucking podbean account and fucking delete us uh, <laughs> so of course you can follow us yeah uh you can follow us at hanks bank pod at jamie p and at jal underscore c's underscore stuff um and uh, you can now follow you can us follow us uh, on Yep. On Facebook, uh, uh, which is just, if you type in Hank's Bank and you look for that, we're a page. Uh, go on there and, of course, uh, please invite every single one of your friends to like the page. Uh, the more you do that, the more the people that listen, the more likely we are to finally, uh, for me to make the special episodes uh, where I record my own part to uh, Elvis has left the building. Uh, tell you what, I will, I will set a number. Uh, if we hit 300 uh, likes on Facebook... Um, followers on Facebook, I will record my part to uh, Elvis's Left oh, Building and release Christ. that as a special episode. So all we have to do is oh, get to 300 God. likes and I will release that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Hanks underscore bank. Bank? No, it's Hanks it, underscore bank. Yeah. Yes, Hanks Sorry. underscore bank. That's the name of our show, not Hanks Banks. Sure. You dickhead. Um, That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, look forward to next week when we're reviewing uh, The Great Buck Howard. And of course, yeah. I will also talk about uh, my experience playing the Sherlock board game, which I'm going to go and do now. So the last all thing right. I would like to say is to all uh, of Corey's fans who listened to us yeah. last week and got into the show. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> so for yeah. me, Jamie, I'm my Thank you for getting this far. <laughs> for me, Jamie, I'm my co-host now. That's one more ep in the bank. Can I refer to you as jailmate? <laughs> Fuck you. Hank's Bank